Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Can't hear you, bud. Yeah. Are you, are you there? <laughs> Got it. Hey, guys. Hey, Lou, anyone else there? Okay, so let's so let's try that introduction again. Uh, welcome everybody to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. I don't know how long I'm going to be on tonight. Uh, hopefully, I, I, as you can tell, I've been having problems with my phone uh, as of earlier today. So hopefully, I can get through. Uh, most of tonight's show with no with no other hiccups. Uh, we have a lot on tap. We have to talk about the trade deadline. Uh, we got SummerSlam, which is going on now. Basically, WWE's summer version of WrestleMania taking place at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan tonight. Uh, we have some NHL contract extensions to talk about, as well as uh, the Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul fight that will be coming up later tonight. So uh, we do we do have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to get to. So let's get let's get right to it. And honestly, the you know the fir- the the first uh, thing that probably should start off with is the MLB trade deadline because I've been ta- I, I was talking with Alex earlier today and I have a I have just a major bone to pick with the trade deadline but also with a certain team that decided no we're good enough we want to relish our role as being the underdogs. We want to relish our role as being the underdogs. We love being the underdogs, and we want to make sure that we don't improve our team at all. 
Except with the minor little deal. Gee, I wonder. The Boston Red Sox, maybe? With just just completing only one minor deal that brought Luis Urias to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for I think it's like a single A a single A pitcher. I forget I forget exactly who it was, but regardless it, it let, let me put it this way. Things have completely down spiraled after the team, more more in particular, the big star players of the team, players like James Paxton, uh Justin Turner, Raphael Devers they all asked for Hein Bloom to have some balls and actually make a move. Instead, he decides, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a guy who's batting below 150 from the uh, Milwaukee Brewers who sucked so badly that he got yes, demoted do. down to AAA, where he was only hitting 233 in AAA before being called back up a couple of days ago to Boston in exchange for a 22-year-old pitcher. And now, Haim all of a sudden wonders why there's now all this dysfunction in the locker room to the point of where he he benched, uh, or I shouldn't say he benched more like Al, uh, Alex Cora, benched Alex Verdugo before today's game. Even though Verdugo showed up on time, yet because of the major, the major huge fuck-up that happened at the end of uh, today's Red Sox-Toronto Blue Jays game, now, all of a sudden, Alex Cora, who, by the way, is maybe the most pissed off I've ever seen him ever since he joined the Red Sox in 2018 as their head coach. Matt, come on. Now now he's putting all of the blame for this loss on Alex Verdugo instead of, I don't know, putting the blame on Reese McGuire, who for some reason thought that the ball was going to go off the wall Spoiler alert, it ended up being caught. Uh, He thought the ball was going to go off the wall. So by the time the ball was caught, McGuire was already on his way to home from second base and was easily uh, doubled up at second base to end the game. And now, because of that, the Red Sox are four games back of the wild card. And to me, I, I don't know. I don't know what what the rest of you think, but to me, this just spells a team, or, or this just sums up a team that has basically waved the white flag, much like management waved the white flag on the season. Now I understand a lack of a move at the deadline basically means that they believe in this team. But if they believe in this team, why did why didn't you go out and make a move to acquire a starter or acquire no. acquire somebody who will actually help the team? 
Yeah, I mean the. Uh, I mean, the fact that they didn't yeah. go all let's in. Start, let's start with. At least, let's start with you, Alex. What, what do you think of the Red Sox dysfunction? That yeah, we're chatting earlier. Take Sorry, place? I wanted to chop this bit. I yeah, we were talking earlier this afternoon after lose good show. I mean, it creates dissension and uh, you know like disbelief. Uh, the people. You know the, the the guys in that dugout that have been working hard and really putting together a pretty magical, pretty pretty darn good season, right? No one no one uh, from here to anywhere picked picked them to be legit and in the race. They've proven a lot of uh, critics and a lot of baseball analysts wrong, and they were right in the hunt. And then, like you said, the general manager, that's that's the time to add a little bit and show some confidence and like we're all in. And the fact that he didn't do a darn thing except add a minor leaguer from the Milwaukee Brewers system. I mean that creates dissension. It 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 irks the players. It, it upsets some of the players. It disrupts the dugout, and now you see a a a, a hungry uh, Blue Jay team come into Fenway in a pivotal series this weekend, and they've taken both games right away, both close games. And like you said, the Red Sox are kind of deflated. Uh, the manager, you know, the captain of the ship is is demoralized. He's he's pissed off, and it and it you know it, it ripples ripple effect throughout the the, the team. I mean. Verdugo, yeah, yeah. Just suddenly uh, it's like chaos. Just, it's amazing. If they had just gotten a little bit in and just showed a little bit of a vote of confidence and said, hey, guys, we believe in you. We're going to add a, a pitcher or two. You might be looking at Boston two out. But right now they're four out, and they're kind of spiraling. Yeah, Lou, you know, you, yeah. you see, you've seen the same thing happen, Lou, with the New York Yankees a little bit, with uh, yeah, fans right. turning on Aaron Boone because of his decision-making this year. Uh, but is it possible that the Red Sox are actually in worse condition than the Yankees are right yeah. now? Just barely. I mean, the Yankees have been falling apart, you know, for you know, a little while, too. Uh, I mean, I thought with Judge coming back, you know, that might, you know, uh, stir up, up the offense and get better, but that hasn't happened. So uh, the Yankees are in just as much as a – off a predicament as, as your uh, Red Sox. Well, what are, what are your thoughts on the on the uh, Red Sox dysfunction? That the fact that Hein Bloom decided that uh, the only thing worth doing for this team at the deadline was acquiring a guy who they're who they're they're thinking may have the chance to get back to where he was. Because let's let's remember uh, Luis Urias. Just a couple yes, seasons yes. ago, hit 23 home runs and 75 sure. RBIs for the Milwaukee Brewers. Last mm. season, he had 16 homers and 47 RBIs. Yet, for some reason, this season, uh, he, started, uh, he started off the year with a left hamstring injury. And then right. he struggled to, uh, across 20 games, he struggled to a 145 batting average with only one homer and five RBI, or no, I don't even think he had a homer. I think he had like five RBIs. Right. So, I mean, Lou, what what are your thoughts on the fact that, you know, for a team that was considered to be in the thick of things and they had stars like Rafael Devers and many other Red Sox stars calling for Heim Bloom to make a move and help them, only for nothing to be done. Yeah, looks like that was a wasted move. You gotta watch out for you know what you get this time of year. I mean, one trade you know can make or break a team here. And you know, 
because you're replacing somebody, you're replacing somebody and thinking you're going to get a place just as good, where it turns out it turns to be a duck heap, and it's going to set the team back and put them out of contention. So, to really, you know, you really got to be careful with who you get in your team, like the trade deadline. I mean, because I was, you weren't from the early part of the COC, so I was thinking, who were the winners and who were the yeah, losers? Uh, it seems like the Yankees and the Red Sox, you know, turned to be the losers, well, maybe as far as the American League goes. But because uh, the Yankees didn't do much of anything without doubt, they got a few, they got a few uh, second banana players, minor league players, sorry, and you know they haven't really been productive much. It's, it's when you get in the trade, you know, if they're productive, yes, you're gonna win. If you suck, you're gonna lose. And this is not the time of year you want to fall, you know, too far behind because we're in August now. Uh, first week, so there's still seven weeks to go, but. You know, you guys start making moves. You got to start winning now because by September uh, might be too late already. Now, if, of course, if you're the um, if you're the uh, A's and the uh, Royals, your season is over in late April anyway. But that's beside the point. Yeah, yeah and, I, and, and the Yankees, at least the Yankees made a move. They went out and they right. addressed their bullpen. And granted, it was a little move, but it was at least a move. Boston. Yeah. They didn't even acquire a major league guy. They they basically took out a lottery ticket and they said, hmm, maybe this guy can get back to – maybe he can overcome his struggles and go back to being the player that he was the last two years. Mm-hmm. And they started in both games. They started in both games right after they acquire him. I, I could see, uh, first of all, the move's not nearly enough. We all agree on that. doesn't move any needles. Yeah. I don't care where, where you are. And then they plug – this guy is like – his career is falling apart, and then they plug him in right away in a big series this weekend. I don't think he's done anything, but I noticed that right away they plug him into the lineup like he's some savior. <laughs> he struck out a couple times, and they lost a couple games. Yeah, just, and not just that. Just, the, just the, the, the lack of activity, adding a fringe major leaguer at the deadline, and then putting him right into a big spot, and it's like blowing up on them. Yeah, and not just that, but they also got rid of a big Ooh. clubhouse guy in Christian Arroyo. I mean, I understand right. Arroyo. Uh, you know, Arroyo may not have Arroyo may not have sexy stats like two forty one no. average, three homers, twenty four RBIs, but he was a clubhouse guy. He was a clubhouse leader. Yeah. And and they they get rid of him. They designate him for assignment just so that they can call up this Urias guy. Big dumb move right there. Big dumb move. I mean, my God. It's, if anything, you know, Alex Cora, like I said, today he sounded the most pissed off that he's ever been uh, ever since he was hired. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Cora, by the end of next week, if he either quits or is fired. He'll be fired wow. because he's Who's already at odds sure? with the general manager. He's a former player. He's a former player who won a World Series with Boston, uh, not exactly. just as a player, but also as a uh, but also as a head coach. Uh, he also won a World Series with the Houston Astros the year before. Yep. He came to Boston as one of their assistant coaches. 2017. Yeah. 
So he's a three-time a three-time World Series champion. And let me let me get this. Let me put this right out there. I do not blame Alex Cora one bit for this team's struggles this year. If you want to blame anybody, you blame Hein Bloom. Alex Cora, you know, not just Alex Cora, but a coach can only work with what he's given. Yes. He can only work with what he's given to work with. Mm-hmm. And Hein Bloom, instead of, instead of doing something – Instead of doing something like re- like re-signing uh, Xander Bogarts, no, he decides Kike Hernandez and Yu Chang are going to be our shortstops this year. Yeah. Yu Chang, yeah, right. who okay. hasn't even batted, <laughs> who hasn't even batted over two hundred the entire year. Wu Chang, Yu Chang, and and Kike Hernandez, who had a career high in errors, just at shortstop. The side of a barn. Those aren't the answers. I, I, I do say though, Steve, I agree with you 100% and Lou uh, as well. But like, I don't think it would be such a. Ru- I think it would be too much of a rush to judgment. I don't see a classy, hardworking, reputable manager like Cora just quitting on his troops. It, you know what I mean? Pardon the phrase. Yes. I don't think he would quit. I don't think he would resign during the season. You know what I mean? He's not the type of guy to throw in the towel. He'll go. Out, he'll go out a better way. And he'll go out the re- end of the season unless they turn things around. I just don't see a guy like that with his character. And the guy's pretty, pretty cool, uh, loyal guy. I don't think he'll quit. You, know, you think he'll get fired? No, yeah. I don't see how they're going to play. They're the players. No, he could get he could get fired because be they're going to need they're going to need a scapegoat. They're going to need a scapegoat, and Alex Cora is going to be the scapegoat. Diane, would he deservedly? Would it be righteous and, and right? No, I mean he doesn't deserve to go, but. You know, sometimes when teams underperform and the ownership's cheap, they're going to look at the coach. Oh, yeah, let's make an excuse out of this guy. Let's make, it, let's make an example. So, yeah, he could be a scapegoat, I guess, which is sad. Didn't do a darn thing at the trade, trade deadline, so they, they made their bed. They're going to have to sleep in it. They're not, they didn't yeah, do man. anything. From what you're saying, Alex Cora isn't the coach. I'm But he's the one bringing in the players, so it's kind of yeah. on him. Right. Let's so get, you let's, think he let's gets get the, fired? Oh, he, yeah. I no, totally Bloom, agree with you, Diane. Bloom okay. is being but a good owner. He's good friends with the owner. He's good well, friends with the owner. Being a like good, uh, oh. He's kind of like the, the, the yeah, little, uh, little son of the owner, like the little golden child. <laughs> he's basically the puppet okay. for the, uh, basically the, puppet for the, the owner who doesn't want to spend money. They're kind of like together, yeah, unfortunately. Is, Okay. Bloom is basically being Bloom is basically being a good soldier. He's he's gonna get a yeah. little cookie from uh from John Henry at the end of the season for a job well done, because the idiots uh, the idiot fan base decided, uh, oh John Henry's raising prices, let's still buy tickets and 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 have near sellouts every night. Ridiculous. Yes. Unfair. Oh, but let's yeah. get let's get we have um. We have we have Kyle joining us. I want to get Kyle's thoughts on this. Kyle, hey Kyle. Uh, we've seen ever since the trade deadline, uh, ever since the trade deadline, uh, the Boston Red Sox, who were at one point in the race for the wild card, have now all of a sudden fallen out and have have gone on a downward spiral. Ever since Heim Bloom decided, no, just a minor little trade is fine, uh, is fine enough for uh, for this team. 
we believe we believe in the fact that we're the underdogs, and we relish the fact that we're the underdogs. So we're gonna barely we're gonna do nothing to improve this team. What are your What are your thoughts, Kyle, on uh, on what may be the most turbulent season in Red Sox history since the beer and chicken season back in 2011? <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's crazy. I, I mean. You know, first off, I want to say I, I pledge my allegiance to Texas Ranger baseball now, apparently. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, it, it's crazy. You see the moves going around, like, the league, you have to do something. I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just weird to me. Like, you, you have to do something. I don't get, like, management who are content. Like, I, I don't get people who are content. Oh, like, we're, we're in a hunt even for a wild card or playoff or whatever it is. If you're in the hunt for something, you got to do something. You can't just stay stagnant. We've seen in every league, not just MLB, in basketball, every single sports league, you have to make some kind of splash. If you want to make it deep in the playoffs or if you think you have a contention with a team, you have to add a certain piece. Whether that piece is, hey, we need more, more pop in the lineup. We need to get a guy with more pop. So I don't get what the, the Red Sox are, are doing or think they're doing by not doing anything. You you know what I mean. Take a look at Texas. Texas, they're deep in the playoffs, like Hunt. You know, I think they're first in the AL West, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But they right. look they looked at their lineup and said, hey, like we we need we still need starting pitching. So they went out and got two starting pitchers. You know what I mean? So like they're always you're always doing something to your lineup. Just because you have the quote unquote perfect team, you can always add a veteran guy or or someone to plug into your lineup. Or just, hey, like, we need more relief. So I, I don't know what the Red Sox are doing, and it's quite sad, to be honest. It's like they're acting like a small market team. When um, Great point, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like it's stunning because they're acting like the Rays. Even the Rays added Aaron Civelli, uh, New York, Connecticut guy, which right. is kind of cool. But, like, with no – you know, they they get a little bit creative, and they don't have a, a piggy bank. And right. pardon my pun, but like you know what I mean. Like to use analogies or imagination. I mean, the Red Sox ownership—they're they're swimming and sleeping in money. <laughs> they yeah. can't fork right. over a couple bucks and add an arm. Or I think their lineup's really good. Duran and Cassis have turned it around. Uh, Turner Yoshida's a really awesome player. They have a really legit lineup. Devers is all world. Uh, they need more pitching, and it's so clear to see. And they're Boston, a huge market, very popular, a lot of money. So it's, like, inexcusable that they wouldn't even spend a dime. Right. <laughs> it's, like, totally yeah, but, but instead, the morale. It, it hurts the dugout. The, people, the players are pissed off. Yeah, but instead, he, instead Heim decides, no, we don't need any starters. Our injured starters are going to help us. Our injured starters are going to be our, trade, our biggest trade deadline acquisitions, bigger than anybody else that we could ever acquire. And already we've seen one of our injured returning starters uh, screw the Red Sox out of the out of a potential win today by deciding, oh, that ball is going towards the monster. It's obviously going to go off the wall. Let me run all the way from second to home base, only for the ball to then be caught, and then he gets doubled uh-huh. up at second to end the game. Awful. But still. You know, uh, you you have teams like 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 Toronto, for example. Their uh their their shortstop Bo Bichette 
got injured. So what do they do? They go out right. and make and make a, and make two different trades actually with the uh, yeah. Cardinals. They went and got Paul DeJong as well as Cash from the Cardinals for right-handed pitcher Matt Svonson. And the Red Sox were in on DeJong, might I add, which who would definitely be an upgrade over Yu Chang right now, who they currently have at shortstop. Uh, earlier, a couple of days earlier, they went out and got Jordan Hicks from the Cardinals to be their new closer in exchange for uh, right-handed prospect Sam Roberts and Adam Kloffenstein. So the Blue Jays, who, by the way, are, are just in the thick of things as well yeah. uh, for, for the wild card, they also got uh, Genesis Cabrera from the Cardinals in another trade as well, uh, who ended up uh, closing the game, I believe, today for them. Uh, you know, they went out and, got in, and, and, and improved. The Yankees went out and improved, even though it was a very minor deal. It's still, in my opinion – uh, in my opinion, it still is more useful than what the Red Sox did. Uh, let's see. Who are the other wild card contenders? Uh, the Angels. The Angels went out, and God knows how many moves they made, acquiring Dominic Leone from the Mets for uh, infielder Jeremiah Jackson. They went out and... They got C.J. Cron and Randall Grichuk from the Rockies for for Jake Madden and Mason Albright. Uh, They ended up getting Lucas Giolito and and Ronaldo Lopez from the White Sox for Kai Bush and Edgar Cuero. Escobar. They're actually – now, of course, granted, you know, that's partially – you know, she it's 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 partially because they want to lure Shohei Otani to stay in in LA. That's partially why they did that. Uh, but also, I mean, I mean, you just you take a look at everybody. Seattle, Seattle, they yeah. at least made a decision. They at least decided that they were going to sell. So they sold, and yet they're three games out of the wild card. They're they're in the outside looking in. They're on top of the outside looking in right now. Yeah, they're they're putting a, they're putting a hurting on uh, Anaheim, who's desperately going all in in Anaheim. That's kind of ironic. But yeah, like you said, Steve, a lot of the teams that are on the verge on the on that cusp, they're pushing all the chips in and doing what they have to do and helping their players out giving them a vote of confidence and adding more talent. That's a good, legitimate, well-run teams do. And it's just such a disservice and such a ridiculous notion that the, the Red Sox did, did the opposite. Just a total mm-hmm. slap in the face to the and fans it, and everyone in the dugout. Deflates the whole franchise. And, and then, like I said, they, they designate Christian Arroyo, who's a big clubhouse guy for assignment. And yeah. tell me, tell me that this team hasn't checked out yet. This team has most definitely checked out, and I guarantee you, by by the end of the day tomorrow, when they have officially been swept by the Toronto Blue Jays, their season will officially be over. Wow! If there's no, 
very promising run throughout the, the campaign, and now suddenly it's just totally taking a 180 just off the deadline. Everything totally reversed. They I were mean, in the mix. Can, you know, pe- pe- people can call me a bandwagon Boston fan all they want. I've been a Boston fan since I started watching baseball, which was in 2001. Okay? I, you know, yeah. I've been a Boston fan through and through since I started watching mm-hmm. baseball back in 2001. People can call me a bandwagon fan all they want. I'm not a bandwagon fan. I'm a fucking realist. That's true. I said before the trade deadline even began that they needed to sell. Regardless of what of what position they were in headed into the deadline, do something. Buy or sell. Don't sit in the fucking middle. And that's right. exactly what Heim did. Yeah. If you're not going to go all in, then at least sell, right? You don't straddle the fence like a donkey, like a total spineless individual and not even do anything. You have to make one move or the other. It's kind of a, it's, it's a tight deadline, right? I mean, there's a lot of activity. No GM is perfect, but he, he, he gets an F. He definitely gets an F on the report card. And going, you know, you know, go, going back to what, uh, to what Kyle was saying, you know, Kyle had said that he's a, that he's a Texas fan. Texas actually went out and did something. They got Max Scherzer. They, right. they were in. Uh, they were in at one point on James Paxton before apparently. Apparently, Boston was asking for a ridiculous return for Paxton, so that's why he ended up staying put. Uh, the rain, you know, the Rangers. They went on and got Max Scherzer. They gave up their number one prospect to do it. But this is what happens when you're in a when you're in a playoff race. When you see right. that you have a legitimate chance to win a World Series, you go out there and you make moves. Yes, the Rangers did that. They even got even better. They went out and also got Jordan Montgomery as well as Chris Stratton from the Cardinals in exchange for a prospect package of Thomas Sagis, uh, Takoa Roby, and uh, John King, all without giving up their top two pitching prospects in Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. So... And not just that, but they also ended up getting Austin Hedges as well. They got some catching help. They got Austin Hedges from the Pirates. As well as Aroldis Chapman from the from the Kansas City Royals. Rangers can easily make it make it into the World Series. I still pick the Rays, but uh the Rangers are no joke. Congrats to Kyle and yeah, they're they're loading up, man. That fan base, they're excited. That's the first time in a while that they're in this mix, and that's what you do. You go all in. They're, they're putting the pedal to the metal. Good for them. they got an incredible lineup. So, I mean, you know, Kyle, just what are your thoughts on the dysfunction around around that Boston organization? I mean, like I said, Alex Cora, this is maybe the – this is maybe the most furious I've ever heard him 
as a Boston manager, and yeah. now he's pinning he's pinning today's loss on Alex Verdugo, even though Verdugo showed up on time, and you know he ended up benching Verdugo uh, for. What he he claimed that Verdugo basically uh, everybody showed up except for one person, meaning yeah. Verdugo. Even though Verdugo was there and ready to play. Yeah, I I don't know, man. It, it's sad, you know. Um, I don't know. I I just don't get it. You know, like I said earlier. Like, if if you are in contention, you know, you make the necessary moves to add something. You know, you just don't stay stagnant. I think that's the least the last thing you want to do is, you know, you're always trying to improve your team or I don't know, I I guess I'm I'm thinking of like a guy like Greg Pop. You you know, Popovich isn't gonna make a huge splash, like, oh, we're gonna sign Backs or, or Z, but you're going to do something to your lineup. You're going to do something to motivate your guys to be like, hey, like, we're in the thick of it. You know, we're in, we just turned the, the month of August. This is when we should start playing our best ball. You know, we, we have to gear up, you know, for the, the late season push, you know, and um, it, it was a joke. I, I'm not a Raiders fan. I, I'm just, you know, just uh, being down here in, in yeah. Texas, it's just crazy, like, all the moves that they made. You know, my phone crapped the bed for, like, a couple of days, and so I was, like, at a phone, and all of a sudden, like, people are like, yo, the Rangers got, like, Max Scherzer, and so I was like, shut up, and so I walked into the break room at work, and I was like, damn, they did, like, you know, so you're you're always trying to constantly improve your team, you know, like, you know, if, I, I'm sure, like, this is probably an example that I'm sure happened, I'm sure if Mono was hot one game, or for four or five games straight, you know, Greg Pop was, would be like, hey, like, Mono, you're going to start tonight. You know, we need that, that instant offense. We don't need you off the bench. We need you to come in and, and start. So you're always looking to improve your team somehow, you know, whether it's a trade or off-season acquisition, you're always improving your team. But, like, it seems like the Red Sox are just saying, eh, fuck it, you know, eh, it is what it is. You know, they're just kind of just throwing in the, the cards, you know, and, at, you know, at, right now you should be, putting it all in, all chips all in, like, hey, let's go, guys. Like, just turn August. We have to play our best ball, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the, here's the, here's the truth behind it all. John Henry, he probably doesn't want them to spend any more money because uh, there's, there's a big rumor going around that uh, Liverpool – is interested uh, in signing I knew it was tied. Mbappe. Yep, that Liverpool is interested in signing Mbappe to his three hundred million euro contract that he currently has with Paris Saint Germain. Which is funny because Kylian Mbappe literally has already said he wants to go to Real Madrid. He turned down Saudi Arabia in that one billion dollar contract they were gonna offer him. He wants to go to Real Madrid. So, like, I don't get why these teams are, like, do you, do you really think Killian's going to be like, oh, crap, like, Liverpool is going to offer me 370 and, and um, 
Real, I mean, yeah, Real, Real Madrid only offered me 365. You really think he's going to turn down his dream club over five or six or 10 or 15 or $20 million? No. For him, at the end of the day, he wants to get a Real Madrid. So I, I don't get it. it. It's so funny. Like, so we're, we're going to tank our season in, in American sports so we can try to get this, the, the best soccer player in the world who's already come out and said he wants to play for a club. Interesting. That makes no sense to me. Oh, I agree. It makes absolutely no sense, but I guarantee you that's probably what, that's probably his reasoning. And that's probably, probably. why, uh, yeah. you know, you didn't see the Red Sox. Now, I understand that there was – the Red Sox did uh, – they were talking very late, and I'm talking like five minutes left in the deadline. They were talking very late with the Dodgers about about sending uh, James Paxton to the Dodgers. They had a deal, supposedly, with uh, the Miami Marlins that would have sent Corey Turner, or not Corey, uh, Justin Turner to the Miami Marlins, but instead somebody nixed the deal. I don't know who it was, but somebody ended up nixing the deal. They were, yeah. They were trying to quietly sell when no one had any great expectations. And they were exceeding, they were going above and beyond, you know, what everyone thought they'd be. So that's a total slap in the face of the players. You're damn right. Those players know all about that, too. That's why they're spiraling. But yeah, well, the, dugouts, the dugouts turned off. They're pissed. That's like a, that's like a, that's like a pity move saying, hey, like, oh, oh, Steve, I'm, I'm going to call into your show because – I haven't called in in two weeks, and you have two minutes left to your show, so I'm just going to call in. Like, that, that's literally a pity. That's just a pity. That, so that just is, like you just said, it's a slap in the face. And, you know, if, if I was in the yeah. dugout, if I was one of the guys, I would be pissed. I would literally be pissed. I'd be like, okay, so you don't care. You don't give a F about us. You care about some superstar in Europe yeah. soccer. Like, how does that look like if I was in the clubhouse? I'd be yeah. livid. I'd be so livid. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially when you have especially when you have players like Rafael Devers, who is now basically your new team leader. You know, right. you have players like Rafael Devers who are begging you to make a move, begging you to to bring in help. And now you don't. And now you don't do anything. You know, you're basically not rewarding them for their hard work this season. Right. He basically came. He basically came out there and he shat all over their hard work. And here's the thing, Boston fans would. Now I, I know how people say that selling is a bad thing, but Boston fans would at least accept yeah. it. Okay, we're sellers. We're actually, you know, Heim is Doing actually something. taking responsibility and making. Right. A, and he's actually making a decision instead of staying in the fucking middle like he did the last two years now. I mean, hell, last year, he at least sold, even though he was a, both a buyer and a seller, he, even though he yeah. played the middle, he at least made some moves that kind of helped our prospect pool. He didn't do jack shit this year except trade Kike Hernandez for... Uh, I mean, yeah, he did. He did get a uh, a top thirty prospect from uh, from uh, the Dodgers for Kike, 
and another pitcher yeah. who God knows if he'll make the majors. But, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of like the players would, the players were going to be pissed regardless. If the, yeah. if uh, if Heim Bloom standed pat, if he stood pat, or if he decided to sell, but at the same time, it's part of the business. If 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 he decided to sell, it's part of the business. I think they're more pissed off, if anything, that Heim says he he claims that he believes in them, even though they cons- even though even though he considers them underdogs, that he believes in them. But yet he didn't make a move. Uh, the proof. And the I'm not counting the. Yeah. I mean, the proof in the pudding. He can talk all he wants. Talk is cheap, right? I mean, the pro right. and GM in basketball said, "Oh, we're going to surround game with all these players," and then they didn't do that, and now he wants that. I mean, these players they have feelings, and they're on that right. stage, they're on the spotlight. I mean, I'm not you know feeling sorry for them necessarily, but the, this Boston group in particular had a really good chance of overcoming the odds, not to beat a dead horse, but, I mean, they were the yeah. underdog all year, and they had a really good run, and then suddenly it just the wind's out of their sails because they want to save some money. Right. So, I mean, yeah. And, and also, I signed. forgot to add, too. Devers I forgot to add, too. The Red Sox. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, I, I forgot to add, too, that the Red Sox did also add a dog shit reliever in Mauricio Lovera, from the San Francisco yep. Giants, who who has a career a career ERA of six point one four in twenty nine appearances through four big league seasons, uh, and gotta... before he was designated for assignment by San Francisco this year, he allowed one run over five and a third innings in relief. But that was that was literally the one of three total moves that Heim Bloom made before the deadline. Not exactly an earth-shaking move. Adding adding a pinata to the bullpen. Not exactly a great move. Exactly. And literally, and literally, the first game that he played was against San Francisco, and it was a game that San Francisco walked him off. <laughs> and then Urias, the other crap guy that they got from Milwaukee. Yeah. He, I don't, I didn't see the stats, but I saw him strike out a few times yesterday. It's just like they added net negatives, and they pissed off the fan base and the players. Yeah. Exactly. Now, looking at some of the other moves, uh, the Astros, you know, they went out, they got Kendall Graveman from the White Sox uh, for Corey Lee. When you consider the fact that, uh, you know, they're looking at past this season and they see that three of their relievers are going to be leaving potentially in free agency next year or this offseason, I should say. So what do they do? They go out and they get Kendall Graveman. They bring back Kendall Graveman. You know, all the all the better for them. Uh, they're at least making moves to try and win a second straight World Series. Then you have Justin Verlander come back to the Astros in exchange for Drew awesome. Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. And also, I guess that. apparently. I guess apparently the Red Sox called on Verlander, but uh, the Astros wanted like, according to what Hein Bloom said, uh, <laughs> they were in on one. Yeah, and I, call, I, called, claimed, I called on Kate Upton. Come on, there's no way. Yeah, exactly. Me too. 
Yeah, I was calling <laughs> Kate. You know, the, 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 the line was no. busy. There's no way in hell that no, behind- Don Bloom put a dime in a payphone and even tried to contact <laughs> anyone in Berlin. There's no way that happened. No mm-hmm. way. Yeah, but he- Heim, Heim, claims, Heim claims that they were in on one major on one major player in this deadline. He didn't name who it was, but according to according to many uh, analysts, they were in on Verlander. Uh, and he claimed, uh, Heim claimed that the player that they were after, his team was asking for basically all of their top prospects in return. And that Heim uh, basically immediately said no. I don't know if I can believe that. If they're, I mean, Berliner would be a big ticket addition. I don't know. They did the exact opposite. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust uh, the GM for saying that he, he was in on Verlander. I, I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. I mean, hell, the Orioles even went out and improved. They got Jack Flaherty yeah, from the Cardinals. I mean, Lou. How can you how can you be in charge of a major league team and yeah. you see all of your rivals making moves to try and keep you out of the playoffs and yet you just stand there you just sit there and say, No, we're good like we are. I believe in this team <laughs> as it is and our our, our, our injured players and and our injured players are gonna be better than anybody we could ever uh, acquire at the deadline. I mean, now that's the biggest thing of bullshit I ever heard. Exactly. Your line is something that your injured players are going to be like, you know, oh, we don't need nothing. Yeah, you do. You need to replace them, stupid. Otherwise, you're just tanking, and you're not going to make yourself in contention for a playoff run. How stupid can you be? The puppet for the I mean, even if they added just – even if they added just one player, if they added just one player worth anything, like if they went out and got, uh, like say say they went out and got Jack Flaherty, or say they went out and or got Jordan Paul DeJong. Jordan Montgomery. Those are or Jordan like, Montgomery. You know what I mean? like B, those are like B moves. You're not going to give up the farm for them. You know, you're not yeah. blowing up the, uh, moving the needle, but you're, you, but you're at least showing effort. Yeah, you're moving them in the Yeah, you would at now. least. Yeah, like. You can get the, one of those you guys. You would for at like least two, still two, have two your decent team. prospects. You, you don't have to deplete your farm to land a guy like that. Those aren't all stars, but they make your team better. Or, you know what? Here's a, be- here's a better comparison. When they went out last season and they got Eric Hosmer from San Diego, they got, out, they got Eric Hosmer for, from San Diego and they gave up a guy that was going to be, it looked like they were grooming to be their closer of the future. And they went out, you know, they went out and got Eric Hosmer, uh, you know, to, to try and make the fans, to try and trick the fans into thinking that they were actually going to do, that they were uh, intent on still contending. That at that, least, yeah. a, a, move, a move like that would have at least still helped the team this year. And at least provided the illusion, like it would have like kept the fan base at bay, would have kept them from loudly booing. You know what I mean? Showed some resolve, showed some effort, showed some dedication to improving. You know what I mean? You don't have to you don't have to give away everyone and their brother to land a player like that. Flaherty, Montgomery, DeJong. You can get a player like that. You know what I mean? Like a solid B minus type player. 
for like a, a mid prospect in the minors. So yeah, they could have picked up exactly. the phone, but again, yeah. that would have been adding, that would have been adding salaries. Because if you give up a prospect who's making two hundred grand in the minors for a Dijon who's making nine million, maybe that's why Boston didn't want a Dijon. More money, cost cutting, saving saving pennies again. Big market Boston, ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe, but they're not breaking the bank. The I mean, they're not. Time, even, you know, they're not doing much. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, the thing I, 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 you know, for for our for our for our listeners, I, I, uh, you know, I promise you, we're gonna move on from the Red Sox in a minute here. But one last point I want to bring up: Heim Bloom claimed that they were looking for before the deadline even even took place. Heim Bloom claimed that they were looking for starters with term. And yet every single person that he was in on was a rental. So he basically fucking lied to the media the entire time. Bingo. Bingo. My God. I mean... Okay, so here's, in my opinion, the winners and losers and gigantic losers of the trade deadline this year. In my opinion, for my winners, I have the Baltimore Orioles, the Texas Rangers. I also have – wait a minute, let me bring up the – yeah, the Baltimore Orioles, the Texas Rangers – especially Texas, when they didn't have to give up any of their top two pitching prospects in return for Max Scherzer. Uh, you know, I would put Toronto as as winners for the moves that they yeah. made Get uh, with uh, getting Paul DeJong and getting, uh, getting Jordan Hicks. Uh, I would have the Houston Astros as winners. Of course. Uh, the LA Angels, I'm gonna put in the middle right now, because Darn, they're trying hard though. They, they made credit. They're going they are going hard, but if the thing is, I think they were too far out of it to begin with. That they're going all in there. Last ditch effort to keep uh, Otani. So I applaud their their ballsiness. I mean, they're going full full force to try to do something. I don't know if it might right. be too little too late. It might be, yeah. But might as well go uh, down Toronto. Exactly. You know. You know. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go down, at least go down swinging. Uh, yes. I would put. I would put the Braves in the winners spot. They ended up getting Brad Hand from the Colorado Rockies. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, they also got Nikki Lopez from the Royals. Yep. Uh you know, I would I would maybe throw I would maybe throw the Dodgers and Giants in there because the Giants actually made a move. They went out and got uh, AJ Pollock and Mark Mathias from uh, from Seattle when it looked like Seattle was going to uh, was go was going to um, you know was going to sell. Seattle ended up even giving up their closer Paul Sewold to the Diamondbacks. So I would throw the Diamondbacks in there also. 
Yeah, the I was Tampa a Bay Rays, they went out and got Aaron Savali. Savali. Tough Diamondbacks might add a starting arm, but, yeah, at least the Diamondbacks got something. Other team, you know, young and up and coming, and they're happy to be there, and they're not they're not squandering the chance. They're not diminishing the chance. They're, they're, they're improving their roster. Yeah. Honestly, the two biggest losers, I would say, are probably the Yankees and the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Yep. The Yankees, the Yankees are moderate losers. The Red Sox are the biggest losers of the trade well, deadline. Yeah, but at least the Yankees, yeah, they made an improvement, but they made they made a move to address their bullpen. But I think if yes. they if they knew what was happening with Domingo German, which by the way we'll get to that in a minute, uh, oh. but if they knew what was happening to begin with. I would have thought that they would have they would have at least gone out there and tried to try to address their needs a little bit more than just going out and getting a bullpen arm. So that's why I have them as a loser of the deadline. Boston, okay. well Boston speaks for itself. I don't think I need to really yeah. say anything more about Boston for why they uh considering we just we just discussed the the past whole hour about the Boston Red Sox. Um, I will say, I don't think for, I need for to something, A really good point that Lou brought up last week, just on the note on the, on the, the subject of the Yankees guys. I mean, they're not in a position. Like if you add one person and, and trade whatever prospects they yeah. have, I still don't think they're winning a ring, which is what Lou said, which I totally agree with. I'm kind of, right. even just from a respect factor of, you know, as a Mets fan, whatever they they're going through all punches, crap, but whatever. Just looking over over the over over yonder to the Yankees and the Bronx, they're not one or two players away. It's like they they maybe should have gotten younger, but it's yeah. like I guess they failed the 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 deadline. But uh, Brian Cashman said in a few interviews, and Lou, you know that. I mean, there was really wasn't an opportunity yeah. to get a lot better. I mean, they're just kind of they just kind of kind of reset through the draft and through free agency. I think. Um, if they added like a, a, an older bat or an older arm, I still don't see them playing late October baseball. Yeah. Right. But you know what? I'll add one more team to the winners list. I'll add the New York Mets. And I, I like what they Yeah, they got. I, good, I like I like the returns. Yeah, Kuna and Gilbert and the other guy's name escapes me. The other guy they got from Houston for Verlander. Is awesome. He hit a he hit a home run in his first pitch. No, um, for Verlander. Oh, uh, Mad Max was the Acuna move. Uh, they got Gilbert yeah. for Verlander, and they got another guy who's like a six four lefty first baseman. His first came over from Texas, and he hit a home run. Or sorry, from Houston. Uh, along with Gilbert, the other guy. Yeah, they, the Mets got another guy who's really really talented. They got Gilbert and another really good tall first Yeah, Gilbert and Clifford. Gilbert and Ryan Clifford. Clifford. And you say, oh, they have Alonzo. Well, obviously, that's, you know, it's a transferable position. He's like 21 years old. You know, you slot a guy like that at 6'3", 6'4", lefty, maybe put him in like right field or left field. But, yeah, yeah I mean, they did the facelift. The old uh, getting two 40-year-olds, I mean, in their terms, in baseball terms, geezers. <laughs> Uh, you know, for Mega Max, big money, big celebrity signings, it, it blew up. In the, they weren't going to win it this year, so they to, they totally hit the they hit the reset button. In a big, I thought they did pretty well. They're going to. And gonna also, uh, also something. Also something of note too. 
something of note yeah. too. The the Mets will be paying the majority of the uh, of the Scherzer and Verlander deals. That shows. I mean, that shows so the when you sign Max. Max is really good for a push, but you guys you guys saw it this year. I mean, four ERA. Last year's playoffs, Scherzer got lit up. He wasn't the same. He's not. I don't know. The back of the baseball card is the only thing that's the same. Not the same Max Scherzer as you know three or four years ago. Two really right. good prospects. You know they got three or four really good prospects for Verlander and Scherzer. One or both of them would not be a Met next year either way. So that's I think that's a good score for the Mets. They had to, they, it was radical because they could still be playing right now. They they won three in a row and they made those moves, but they saw the writing on the wall. They knew they weren't going to compete long term. So I mean next year is going right. to be like kind of an evaluation year, but at least at least they made a decision. They didn't just stand put. Well, yeah, what what do you think, Lou, of the uh of the Mets uh returns that they got for uh for Scherzer and Verlander? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, Verlander and Scherzer turned to be the two biggest disappointments, you know, for the Mets. I yeah. mean they were hoping that they were gonna, you know, uh get them to where they were last season with hundred and two wins and build on that and you know, that's what all the Mets fans were thinking. I mean, you think you had made. And instead they haven't done anything this year, so you get these Minor league, um, what not, what nonsense. They haven't been really doing much for the, for the team either because they're still, you know, fourth in the division and not going anywhere. They they lost to Baltimore again, so um, it really didn't turn out to be you know much of a plus in that lineup. So they're they're still struggling. If they were making, they got a lot yeah. but they haven't done jack. Well, they got a lot yeah, younger. Yeah, but though. they That's did the though. They got like they got a lot younger for the next three or four years, seven, eight years yeah. down the line. You got a lot of potential now. Yeah, not just younger though, but you take a look at who they got. They got Houston's number one in Gilbert, who is the the 68th on MLB's top 100 list. They also got Houston's number four prospect, and they ended up getting Texas's number one prospect in uh, Luis Angel Acuna. Who, by the way, yes, he is the uh, the younger brother of uh, of Ronald Acuna Jr. from from the Braves. Hype is going to be. I mean, I, and, and speaking of which, I mean, his older brother. I saw a quote in an article the other day saying, "Oh, he's he's more advanced than he was at my age." And I'm thinking, Jesus, if you could be as talented as your brother's left ankle, that'd be a win. <laughs> the big brother Ronald Acuna was like, "Yeah, he he might be better long term." I don't know about that. <laughs> but if he's a fringe all-star player, again, the Verlander and Scherzer were not going to win anything. They're probably both gone next year. It's a no-brainer. They got three or four really good prospects. So you got to do. Yeah. In the slate and move on. Well, I'll tell you something. Move on. Get, I'll some, tell you get something, something in return. Move on. Uh, Alex, I'll tell you something, though. Lu- uh, Louis, Luis Angel Acuna, he's actually, the way he's batting in AAA, he's good. batting just yeah. like his brother. He's good. Now, he, he also looks about – I don't know anything from Adam. Trust me. I'm just, like, reading a couple articles. I'm not a – I don't know enough about him, but I'm researching a lot. I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, he's Ronald Aquino's younger brother, and Mets just got him. He's he's also, like, 5'7". Yeah. It shouldn't be a big deal. I noticed Gilbert's 5'8 or 5'9", too, both the big prospect trades. But, I mean, if these guys pack a punch, they're comparing Gilbert, the other guy, the center fielder they got, to, like, a Brett Gardner. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I just know they weren't going anywhere fast with Scherzer and Verlander, so at least there's something to dream about and hope for the next several years as you watch these guys develop. Yeah, 
that they got in return. Right. Uh, One of those another, guys, two of those guys to be an or, I mean, it was a good uh, haul, I thought. Yeah, an- another team that we can add as a loser, the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. And the reason being, they had a deal that would have sent Eduardo Eduardo Rodriguez to the L.A. Dodgers. And instead, wow. and you know what, by, you know what, by association, I'll put Eduardo Rodriguez as a loser, too. Uh, <laughs> instead, instead of deciding that he wanted a ring, he decided, no, nah, I'm going to stay with a team that sucks. So I'm, I'm using my no trade clause. I like the loyalty, though. I mean, yeah, he didn't want to win a ring. You, you had a funny message during the week about that, Steve. I do agree there, but, hey, it shows loyalty. They say it every year. I mean, it's tired. It's a tired song, but Detroit's accumulating some young talent, Riley Green, uh, some other guys. Yeah, I mean, he could have chased a ring in L.A., but, yeah. I mean, Detroit's so damn young. The thing is, though, if they keep moving those guys, they need, like, some veteran leadership. Because they keep drafting number one, number two overall, and they keep sucking. It's like they need some veteran, and he's their eighth. Right. I'm almost glad they didn't move him. Like, you know what I mean? It's not like he's 35. Like, I, I can't stand when teams are and rebuilding. I'll, That's cool. But don't don't move, like, 25-year-olds. If you're rebuilding, those are, like, the older brothers on the team. 25 is still in your right. prime. That's not old. That's not old. Like, don't – you've got to rebuild with some – you can't have all 19-year-olds on your whole team. Now, granted, granted though, they did also – trade Michael Lorenzen to the Philadelphia Phillies, yes. but they the only pitch. got they only got Phillies number five prospect in return. Yeah, that's a weak return. Who is that's a weak who is who is miles down the line. Uh he's currently in high A right now. Miles yeah, down Lorenzen the was, line. Yeah. He was their only um, Lorenzen, Lorenzen was considered only... to be their best pitcher. Yeah, Lorenzen was their only all-star. So, one would hope you get more for oh, him. You mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. you mean to tell me that your 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 all-star for this season and probably the best pitcher on your roster was only worth the number five uh, prospect from the Philadelphia Phillies? That's not acceptable. What was the overall reason I mean, that Lorenzen, Rodriguez gave us not wanting to – why did Rodriguez uh, veto the trade? He literally just wants to stay in Detroit. Yeah, familiarity because because of uh, his kids and his family are familiar now with the city of Detroit. Uh, That's kind of cool. To, uh, he, he basically, I I mean, I understand it. I understand it that you don't want to uproot your family mid-season and have them move to LA with you, but at the same time. Yeah. You have the opportunity to get a ring, and you choose not to. And once he pulls this, they're not going to call it second time. <laughs> In two years, when he's really pissed no. off, if he has Tommy John or something happens, it gets if Detroit's still in the cellar, it seems going to be like, wait, wait a second, buddy, you had your chance. We're not calling about you anymore. We're not interested in you. He might, he might have kind of signed a, a lifetime contract to stay in Detroit. Now, to be fair, he does already have a World Series ring with, back with Boston in 2018. But still, ooh, I didn't, I didn't, if, I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Good for him then. I mean, but he still, wants to stay put for his family. But the still, though, you bit. hit the age, you hit the age of 30, you hit the age of 30. 
this is around the time where you want to start competing for championships. And for some reason, you know, I guess he, I guess supposedly, uh, from, from what I read, he didn't want to uproot his family, uh, and have them move to LA. So instead, Instead, he just uh, he decided to enact his no trade clause. I don't know. I just I don't get. Uh... Yeah. But you know what? We hey, are adding uh, Alexis. We are adding Alexis to the line. Uh, Alexis, are you a what are, are you a big baseball fan? I'm not the biggest of baseball fans. I pay attention to it. Alexis, are you there? I'm here. Am I still on? Hello? Yes, yeah, Steve, we can hear you. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, we're still here. I'm here. Guys, yeah, Steve had said earlier he was turning on a new headset this afternoon, so that might be it. Obviously, if anything happens, just call back in, but probably just hang out right. here. Everyone just stay put. I'll, I'll message him real quick, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. I'm back. I don't know. Gotcha. Uh, for some reason, it's okay. like the call failed. So, uh, all good. All good. Alexis, are you are you a big baseball fan? I'm not a, the biggest of baseball fans. I'll watch it occasionally, but I don't pay much attention to a lot of stuff. All right. Well, then we're probably we're probably going to move on. By, by the way, I assume you've probably been watching uh, SummerSlam tonight, right? I just pulled it up and stuff. I've been oh, my looking God. At I've been looking at notes and stuff, but it's like, it's like usually around this time, it's like I'm I'm on Twitch shiny hunting and stuff. So it's like I didn't I hadn't been watching watching it. It's Damn like it I've been taking you notes. Just, you, you just ruined one of my talking points. What so? I was going to ask you what you thought of SummerSlam, but, uh, you know, you said you haven't been watching it yet. So, just to give a little rundown. I was going to ask, it, like, do I, are there any good matches that I need to go back and watch in pool over here? Uh, yes. Uh, you Don't need to watch the first two matches. You need to watch okay. the first two matches: that. Logan, Logan Paul, Logan Paul and Ricochet, and Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar. You need to watch those two. Uh, they also they also had the Battle Royal, uh, the MMA Rules match between Shayna and Ronda, which was fucking horrible. So don't even bother watching that. Uh, okay, skip through that. And they got it. And they just did Gunther and uh, Drew McIntyre. Now they're on Raw. I'm gonna watch and Ballard. So. I'm gonna watch All right, it tomorrow. I've, I've got that, I've got I've got Peacock loaded up on my computer right now, so you're gonna watch it tomorrow. So I'm, I'm... Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it either. Neither neither's Lex. Yeah, haven't watched yeah. it yet. Yeah, well, it's on it's on right now actually on uh, on Peacock, but um, they got. Basically, for people who don't who don't understand. Uh, or maybe maybe they're casual viewers of the wrestling world. Uh, 
SummerSlam is basically the WWE's summer version of WrestleMania now. So it's treated it's treated like a huge deal. Uh, when when you talk how, about uh, about pay per views and whatnot, and how long till they start making it a two night event? Well, uh, they, they got WrestleMania tonight. No, I don't think it. I don't think it'll ever be two nights. I think it'll no. just be. It'll stay as a one night event. I think WrestleMania is only for two nights because. WrestleMania is literally the one show where they have where they have people from all around the world come to WrestleMania. Yes, true. So, uh, by the way, speaking of which, you know what? I'm going to bring this back up. Uh, Vince McMahon was peanut earlier this week in his sexual misconduct investigation that he's been under yeah. investigation for. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a search warrant that was that was uh, that was served to him by the feds, and the feds actually raided his. Uh, I think I think it was his. Yeah, it was his house that he that he got raided by the feds. Oh damn! So this is a this is a guy who is in the middle of selling his company to Endeavor. Yeah, the deal hasn't gone through yet. It's still it takes it takes time for the deal to go through. He's in the middle of selling his company to Endeavor. He's got this sexual misconduct investigation still taking place. He's the he's now back as the head of WWE. I mean, th- let's start with you, Alexis. Isn't this basically another another uh, you know another uh, stain on the WWE's image? Yes. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is like this. This is like if if Roger Goodell had his had his yeah. home rated as commissioner of the NFL. Mm-hmm. That ship's already sailed, though. I mean, McMahon already uh, is is out of the deal, though, right? Still, it's still, it's, it's no, still definitely I mean, uh, controversial. I mean, I mean, the deal, the deal, uh, it, you know, they filed it, but it hasn't gone through yet. Oh, I see. Right. It, yeah, I mean, they're it, takes, it takes time for it. It takes time for it to come, to go through. I think they said, because uh, the deal was announced in April. I think it takes almost right. close to a year for everything to become official. Mm-hmm. But for the proof of why uh, there, there's a deal done, why he's on his way out. <laughs> they don't show up for no, for no reason. There's something brewing over there. Exactly. And, you know, not, not, to, not to bring politics into this, but a lot of people thought that originally he was being investigated because of what's going on with Donald Trump and how he was such a, <laughs> you know, he's such a close friend to him. Uh, Everybody thought that he's being investigated because of that. Apparently, that was not the reason for the raid. Uh, The reason for the raid was because of the – because uh, I guess the grand jury uh, that's handling his misconduct allegations uh, brought up 
uh, brought up that they needed they needed something from his house, I guess. Interesting. Got to see what it is. So, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know what it. Uh, but this didn't become known until the WWE had released their uh, quarterly uh, earnings from this right. past quarter, from the second quarter. Otherwise, otherwise, nobody else would have known about this. Right. So, I mean, let's let's go let's go over to you, Lou. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what what kind of effect do you think that this might have on the WWE's image, considering the fact that he's you know he's still considered the main uh, you know the the main uh, guy representing the WWE in this in in this whole ordeal. Well, the the um... You know, I, the reputation of the WWE has been shot for quite a while now. It was since like uh, beginning of the year, so I don't think it's going to be you know make much of a difference. The, the, the league is tarnished. You know, after all, what's happened? So I've been with uh, the Disney fans uh, stepping down as a door taking over. So uh, you know, I don't think it makes up a difference. Right. I mean, you know, I, I guess with all the black eyes that they've had. Uh, in uh, over the years, I guess uh, you know something like this would only just add to it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, looks like we missed a brawl. A brawl. Yep. Uh, Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez uh, of the Cleveland Guardians knocked out Tim Anderson at second base. Following following a slide, uh, following a slide into second base by Ramirez, Tim Anderson or, or somebody took offense to the slide, and that started a, a scuffle, which then the umpire tried to separate the two. And Ramirez then swung at Anderson and knocked him the fuck out. That'll work. Works every time. I like Jay Ram. One of the best players in the league. Small guy, too. Ramirez. I mean, it's... Always going to be an occasional brawl. This is just... Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you normally don't see brawls like that take place in in the sport. No, you don't. It's been a while. I mean, I haven't, I don't know about you guys, I haven't seen any, has there been a bullpen clearing brawl? Has there been anything a little bit off the wall as far as uh, skirmishes and and melees this year in baseball? I haven't seen much. No, not recently. No. Crazy with crazy with the heat like David Lee right. Ross, people are gonna start acting out a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, honestly, you know, there's not really I mean, we really? haven't really seen uh really not. I haven't seen anything. Yeah. Surprising too. There's usually a couple. 
You know what I mean? There'll be a, like a Brewers, Reds, or Cubs game or something. I've really been no uh, big altercations in Major League Baseball this year. Not really. No. All right. Uh, moving on here. We have – actually, we do have some soccer this upcoming uh, – in in about a couple of hours, actually, in particular, a little under seven hours. What was that, Lou? I mean, come on, 5 a.m., get real. Well, yeah, that's because they're in Melbourne, Australia. That's why. I know, but don't you think that for the U.S. state, they'll put on a decent hour for us? Sheesh. No. You would think. Yeah. You would think, but I, I think it depends on what time it is in Australia. Yeah, true, true. I think the time difference, uh, the time difference actually makes a actually makes a big difference. But uh, here's the problem with the U.S. women's national team. And by the way, it looks like they it looks like they may bench Alex Morgan for today's game. What? Uh, they may bench. Yeah, they may bench Alex That's Morgan because of the fact that she's done absolutely nothing in this uh, World Cup so We're far. Dead. And they're going to go yeah. with a younger with a younger uh, lineup. Uh, is what my understanding was. Uh, I wouldn't take out legends uh, down the stretch. I would leave in the biggest guns you have in the history of soccer, and uh, still figure it out. Right, that's playing with fire to take her out of the lineup right now. Not, I would not yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm she's wondering not, God, though. Not like uh, she's not she's not Megan's age either. Like she's still. Well, is she? I I I feel like either way she's got more in the tank. No, no, she's not Megan's age. She has a little bit more in the tank than Megan does. I think I think they're like maybe four years apart or something. But yeah, yeah. still, you know. We expected more. I, I think part of it is the part of the reason is because they ended up tying uh, against not just Portugal but also Netherlands. And yeah, well, I wouldn't they just Portugal, they just scraped their way, if anything, into the yeah. into the knockout rounds. Yeah, they fell into it. Yeah, that wasn't fun at all. They do have other younger weapons, too. Maybe it's a good change. We'll see. But uh, they are set to play Sweden, which, by the way, the U.S. is favored officially against Sweden. Uh, they will take on the winner. They, they will take on Japan if they win. Uh, if they win tomorrow morning or technically tonight, I guess you could say, whatever. Uh, they will take on yeah. Japan on August 11th uh, in Auckland, New Zealand. So get ready for another uh, for another horrible start time. Because uh, Japan Japan eliminated Norway three to one, and we've also had Spain advance, eliminating Switzerland five to one. Uh, the rest of the matchups, we have the Netherlands and South Africa. We have Australia and Denmark, France and Morocco, England and Nigeria, 
and Colombia and Jamaica. And in all you know, in all honesty, I even if if the United States gets by Japan or gets by Sweden and then they get by Japan, oh boy, they're gonna have a mess on their hands in the semifinals potentially if Spain advances oh, yeah. in the semifinals. But in all honesty, I'm not I, I'm I'm not that optimistic. I'll put it this way. With the way that yeah, the with the way that the uh that the group uh round ended, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Team USA gets eliminated by Sweden. I wouldn't be surprised either. Because yeah, I mean, they this, they haven't been playing a game. They can get knocked off. Maybe it's better for them. They're not yeah. playing the, their best. Exactly. They they have just not been. Don't deserve it. It, it just it just seems like they haven't been playing like the champions that they're the two time. No, I'm sorry, three time champions. Uh, three the the three time. Uh, reigning champions that they're supposed to be. No, not at all. So, no. Yeah, you know, it's not their. They're not working hard enough. Give it to someone else. Yeah. Right. It just. It really makes me think that they're. They're not long for this tournament. I'll put it that way. Uh, no. I still hate the I fact, too, so. that Megan Rapinoe is mainly being used as a mentor of sorts. Yeah. Alexis, have you been have you been paying uh, any attention at all to the uh, to uh, the Women's World Cup? I have, in fact. It, it's hard not to, especially when uh, it gets played on at my work. Uh, like all, all my work's been rooting for USA, and it's like I'll occasionally go and watch, and like, are they doing any good? Uh, yeah, it's like, I it, mean, it's, if I'm being it honest, been looking, and based on what I'm hearing from the bar, it's not been good for them. No, they're not. They're nowhere close to the team that they've been the last three World Cups for the women's side. Yeah. You know, they're they're nowhere close to where they to to where they've been. So I would be very surprised if anything, if they end up uh if they if they if they end up after all this still Defending their their championship successfully and and winning the women's World Cup again, I would be very surprised yeah. with the way that they've that they've been playing because I don't know. It just seems like there isn't that much inspiration from this team. No. What happened? Well, So, I you know hopefully they smarten up for uh, the the last thing I want is to wake up tomorrow to see that the United States has been eliminated. But uh, I have a bad feeling. I'll just put it that way. 
I just have a bad feeling about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, by, by the way, I did. I did want to. I did want to go back to uh, baseball for a second because I forgot. I forgot. I said I was going to bring this up, and I forgot to. Uh, the Yankees. They a uh, very serious situation here. Uh, they ended up placing Domingo German on the restricted list, and he is out for the season, according to GM Brian oh, Cashman. Boy. And uh, he has agreed to voluntarily submit to inpatient treatment for alcohol abuse. Oh, right, right. Uh, so, so he is out for the remainder of the season. And I mean, I, I believe that didn't he just pitch a perfect game this year? Yeah, he did. Back in June. So he, you know, literally. He goes from pitching a perfect game to all of a sudden pitching like the pitcher he used to be, which is, right. you know, mediocre, essentially. At best. So, I'm, you know, I'm wondering if the alcohol abuse is kind of playing a little bit of a factor there. But hopefully, yeah. you know, hopefully he gets the treatment that, uh, that, he, definite, that he definitely needs moving forward here. Yeah, apparently he got in an altercation in the in the uh, clubhouse before the game. He was about to pitch a couple of days ago, and then he came in later in the game, like the fifth inning. He was scheduled to be a starting pitcher. And then after the game, they made the announcement. So, yeah, hopefully he uh personal life. That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot they mentioned something about uh... – about him invo- being involved in some sort of altercation. Well, I showed up to the stadium uh, up to something and then didn't start and then got into it and then came in later. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of big yeah, so, I guess, going around today and then uh, the big announcement right after, right after that happens. That hopefully gets everything together. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he can get everything. Uh, he can get he can get everything together. But in all honesty, you know that that's that's literally the only thing that matters at this point. Uh, going over to the NHL for for a second here, uh, the Bruins they were busy when it came to their arbitration. Uh, they did avoid arbitration with one player, re-signing Trent Frederick to a two-year, $2.3 million average annual value deal, uh, which officially uh, avoided arbitration. However, they weren't so lucky with Jeremy Swayman, though, as Jeremy Swayman oh. was awarded three, uh, close to $3.5 million dollars. Uh, from an arbitration judge for the la- for for this upcoming year, which basically what this does is this essentially handcuffs the Bruins. Like all they can pretty much make is minor minor acquisitions, if anything, at this point, with the little amount of of salary cap that they have remaining. That's essentially all. That's essentially all that all that they, uh, you know, right. all that they have left with them. Uh, however.
However, though, you know, here's one one move that I do not understand whatsoever. Tom Wilson being extended by Washington seven years, six and a half mil per season. In what universe is Tom Wilson worth six and a half mil? He's not. Not. For a goon who basically, I I mean, yeah, two years ago he put up 50 points or he put up 54 points two years ago. But uh, granted, he was, he, granted he, had, uh, he had injury issues. Uh, he is a good but, one. Yeah. But in 33 games this year, team goals, nine assists for 22 points. He basically put up fourth line numbers. Right. You know, it's it, it, the Capitals. Uh, I, I guess may, maybe perhaps they need to get to the salary cap floor. Maybe that's the problem, and maybe. that's why they gave him such a big offer. But I don't think he's worth six and a half. Like that's money. That you no. give to a first that you give to a first line talent. A bit of an overpay there, to put it lightly. Well, that's definitely an overpay. <laughs> a, a bit is putting it nicely. Yeah, that's definitely an overpay. I mean, honestly, when you take a look at uh, let me bring, let me bring up his stat his stat line here real quick from the last couple of years. So this past year, I said he put 22 22 points. He had 52 points uh, the year before. He had 33 points the year before that. Then a couple of 40-point seasons, followed by a 35-point season, 19 points, 23 points. I mean, his career NHL totals in 680 games, he has 128 goals and 167 assists. In my opinion, that's not worth six and a half mil per season. I'm sorry, it just isn't. Now, when you take a look at another contract that was given out, Troy Terry agreed to a seven-year extension worth $49 million total, so that's about $7 mil per season with the Anaheim Ducks. He's coming off of back. You see, that, you see, the, you see the extreme difference? Yeah. He's putting up first-line numbers. So I would be more accepting of a Troy Terry contract, of a, of a contract being given to, to a player like Troy Terry than somebody like Tom Wilson. I just don't, I just don't see – I'm kind of wondering if may, maybe it's because the Capitals need to hit the salary cap floor. I'm wondering if that's yeah. what the possibility it is. 
Especially when you consider too that they do have some money to throw around, uh, yeah, it's definitely because you know they're still keeping tabs on Ezekiel Elliott, but they do have some money to throw around, and that's one of the ways that they've done it. With uh, with of course assigning the money to an extension for Malik Hooker, uh, also. Uh, speaking of extensions or money, technically, the Patriots, they increased uh, the contract of Matthew Judon, giving him a raise of about $12 million for this upcoming season. So he will be on the hook for, I think it's $14 million that he's on the, that he's on the hook for this year, uh, which to me basically tells me that the Patriots' interest in Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott, they're probably not going to get anything. No, but Judon was a big uh, re-signing, one of the leaders of their team. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, you know, you got to make Judon healthy or happy, and that's why – the reason why uh, he was holding out and not participating in, tre- in team drills this uh, this training camp was because apparently he was all pissy about his contract. Mm-hmm. So I guess they finally made they finally made him happy. So you know that I guess that's all that matters. Uh, <laughs> and Seth Rollins retains. Yep, yep, Seth, R- Seth Rollins did officially retain, oh. and they teased a little bit of tension with the Judgment Day, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially with him hitting the stump off 
on the briefcase. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Alexis. That probably means that that Damian Priest is going to be inserted into that feud. Oh yeah. Uh, we do have a couple of uh, suspensions for uh, the NFL. First, uh, the Seahawks uh, wide receiver Dwayne Eskridge has been suspended six games for violations of their personal conduct policy. Uh, it is unclear as to why he was suspended, though. Uh, basically, I mean, he only has, uh, entering his third season, he only has 17 catches, so not really much of a factor uh, when it comes to the Seahawks. He's like their fifth receiver, I think. But right. still, kind of weird as to why uh, as to why he was suspended. But uh, we do also have another suspension. Uh, Chiefs edge rusher Charles Omanihu was suspended six games for violations of the personal conduct policy. And this suspension actually stems from a domestic violence incident back in January. Uh, He was arrested and eventually issued a restraining order after a woman had alleged that he had pushed her to the ground during an argument. Uh, ultimately, at the time, he was a pending free agent, but the Chiefs did sign him to a two-year, $16 million contract. Uh, back with the 49ers last year, he had four and a half sacks and three tackles for loss. So yeah. uh, it is a little bit of a loss for Kansas City, though, considering he will not be with the team for the first six games of the season. And especially considering, didn't they lose, uh, they lost Chris Jones, I think, right? Yeah. Frank Clark. Clark. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, they lost Frank Clark. So, uh, obviously, you know, this was going to be a little bit of a replacement for Clark, but now that's on the shelf for at least six games uh, moving forward here. Also, I believe there was a suspension handed down to, I want to say, wasn't it uh, Alvin Kamara, I think, of the yes. uh, of the yes. New Orleans Saints? Correct. Yes. For his... Yeah, for his for his uh, his case that he had to uh, he ended up being suspended three games uh, under the personal conduct policy, and it's due to facing felony charges for battery uh, in Las Vegas from an incident back in February of 2022. But he ended up pleading no contest to a misdemeanor breach of peace charge uh, to settle that case. And he had also settled a civil case brought by the man who accused him and three other men of attacking him. Uh, now the thing, the thing is, with all of the, with all of these suspensions, these players uh, can practice with their teams until the first week of the regular season, and they can also take part uh, in their team's preseason games as well. Uh, let's see. With Camara, obviously, 
being suspended, this opens up time for Jamal Williams likely to probably be the uh, the starting running back for the Saints to start off the year. Interesting with Derek Hardy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to get off to a blazing start. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. I guess. I guess it all it all depends uh, with Carr as to cause they did they did resign Michael Thomas, I believe. So it's yep. not like Carr isn't going to have any weapons. Olave. Yeah, he's got weapons. We'll see. So. Uh, we do also have a big boxing fight taking place later on tonight. Uh, in particular, we have Jake Paul taking uh, the the problem child Jake Paul, putting his six and one record on the line against Nate Diaz, who in MMA was twenty one and thirteen. Diaz is entering his first boxing fight. And it's kind of interesting when when you look at, at this fight and you look at the fighters that Jake Paul has fought. Obviously, the first legitimate boxer that he fought, which was Tommy Fury, he ends up losing. And a lot of people thought that, they, that he was going to go straight to Tommy Fury in a rematch. But instead, he decides to pick a fight with uh, with Nate Diaz, and in my opinion, I think this was a big mistake for him. Even though Nate Diaz is 38, he originally trained in boxing before jumping into mixed martial arts. So, it's if a he thinks, I'm not a, I'm not a law guy, so I'm hoping Diaz smokes uh, him. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he thinks that this is going to be an easy fight, he's got another thing coming. And another thing, too, is it's a 10-round fight instead of the nor- instead of the regular eight rounds that yeah. Jake Paul has been fighting. Now, that may not seem like a lot, but Nate Diaz, he's got cardio on his side. This guy runs triathlons for fun. while also smoking weed at the same time. But still. Okay. But still, though, this is, you know, for uh, Jake Paul believes this is going to be a cakewalk. If I've learned anything oh. from watching, if I've learned anything from watching okay. UFC all these years, you don't fuck with the Diaz brothers. No. Unlike, uh, you know, unlike all of Jake Paul's past opponents, with the exception of Tommy Fury, Nate Diaz ain't going to be afraid to, st- to stand and bang. Yeah. Matter of that's fact, what that's what he excels at. Yeah, he can take his head off. I mean, I want him to go in there and blitz him. Paul might be a little bit younger, well, but, uh, you know, he has packed a heavy punch. It's his first I condo. Wouldn't, I wouldn't that. say. 
I wouldn't say he's going to knock him out. I would say, if anything, Paul, uh, Diaz is more of a yeah. volume striker. So okay. he's more of throwing as many punches as possible. And another thing, too, is he's very accurate when it comes to his punching. Right. So he's more about landing as many strikes as possible as opposed to going for the knockout. Now, if I remember correctly, most of Diaz's fights in the UFC were by, yeah, most of his fights were by submission. He has knocked out five fighters in his career, but most of his wins were by, were by submission in the UFC. Uh, and actually, let me just double check. Throughout his UFC career, he's only been knocked out once, and that was from a head kick. And obviously, you can't you can't use kicks in boxing. So it's going to take a lot to uh, to knock out Nate Diaz. And if we've seen anything, if anybody's watched any of Jake Paul's past fights. Uh, people would people would remember that Jake Paul, towards the middle of the fight, tends to get gassed. Yeah. I can tell you for a fact, Diaz is still going to be fresh probably by the seventh round, or or at least the sixth or seventh round. He, he's still going to be fresh. Because, like I said, this dude and his brother both run triathlons for fun. Yeah, the What what were you saying, Alex? Yeah, but he's, there's no doubt he's going to be well conditioned. I mean, he's going to be ready to go uh, all night. So let's see what the uh, opponent can do. Right, exactly. And Oh, okay. He he changed his boxing. Uh, he changed his boxing coach actually, because I could have sworn, unless I'm thinking of his brother Nick, I could have sworn he had another. He had a different boxing coach. No, no, no. Yeah. They, no, they both train under Richard Perez. So Richard Perez is considered to be one of the be- one of the better boxing coaches around, at least for mixed martial arts. So, obviously, you know, granted, uh, his specialty is, is, you know, working on the ground. But I'll tell you, too, Diaz, the way he, the, the way he can pepper people with punches, I believe, uh, I might be wrong, but let me double check. I believe he actually has the striking advantage, I think, or in terms of, uh, let's see. Oh, Paul's actually an inch taller, but let me see what the reach is. Yeah. Uh, Jake Paul is a 76-inch reach. Ooh, actually, their reaches are both even. The difference is Nate fights southpaw and... Paul fights orthodox. Ooh, this could be very interesting. Yeah. 
this could be very interesting. And now, now I'm actually even more excited for tonight's fight. What time is yeah. it happening? Uh, I believe it might be around midnight, I think, is because uh, right now they have right now they have Jeremy Stevens fighting Chris Avila. Uh, oh, no. Then again, they have four other fights before that. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll be after. Maybe it'll be after midnight. I don't know. Needless to say, though, uh, this is definitely, you know, it's been a very hyped up fight that uh, everybody has been waiting for ever ever since they officially announced it. So it's definitely uh, hopeful, at least I hope, that uh, Diaz uh, is able to take Paul out because Jake Paul has claimed that he will retire if he loses to Nate Diaz. So, yeah. Or at least it's been talked about that Jake Paul may have to retire. Good. Because he'll go from being a, uh, you know, he'll go from being a fighter to just another up-and-coming fighter. Like like every other up and comer. So, I don't know. It's yeah. It'll be interesting to see uh, what comes out. What comes out of uh, comes out of tonight's fight. But uh, let's see here. Some other bits and pieces. Check. Do we have anything in... Oh, we do have some NBA news, actually. Uh, It looks like Ricky Rubio apparently is putting his career on hold indefinitely in order to focus on his mental health. Yep, according to uh, ESPN's Brian Windhorst. Uh, He was set to lead the Spanish national team in the World Cup this month. Uh, He also has two years remaining on his current deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But uh, there is is considered to be no timeline as of now for for his return. So, I don't know. We could have another Carey Price situation here where maybe – Ricky Rubio may potential uh, maybe he might retire like Terry Price ended up doing. Yeah. When Terry Price uh, retired after uh, after a mental health issue basically took him out of the NHL essentially. You know, it seems like we're getting more of these ever since COVID came. I mean, before COVID came, nobody even heard of him. Having to deal with the, like I do on mental health. I mean, you know, this is, you know, this is going for three years now. Yeah, it has gone, you know, it has gone on for uh, for quite some time, and you do kind of have to wonder if. But then, then again, though, you know, some of these people may not have, 
you know, I, I know some people claim that, oh, it's because those who have taken the vaccine, uh, it may be it may be affecting them. But uh, you do have to wonder if maybe some of these athletes didn't take the vaccine and maybe that's so maybe it's not vaccine related uh, mm-hmm. that we're starting to see all these mental health issues. Yeah, because uh, because of knowing they had a mental health issue. No, there were still mental health issues, but mm. they weren't as. Well, common. Let's now, though. Yeah, they they weren't as common before before COVID happened and right. caused everybody to uh, caused everybody to go into isolation. You know. Yes. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Rubio. Uh, much celebrated international point guard. He was like a – going to be the next big thing. And he's had a good career. He's bounced around a lot. But, yeah, hopefully he gets okay. Hopefully, yeah, because, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, mental health is a very serious thing. And you just got you just got to hope that uh, – you, you you just you just gotta hope that everything everything turns out well for him. Yeah. And wow, just looking at the at a move that I just saw on SummerSlam, I am very surprised that that could have been bad for Charlotte Flair attempting a moonsault off of the. She attempted a moonsault off of the turnbuckle onto the outside floor, and she ended up missing. And the way that she landed, she could have potentially torn an, an ACL or maybe or maybe something in her knee with the way that she had landed. Is she injured or is she okay? No, she's okay. She's yeah, okay, uh, but the way she landed, the first thing I thought of was that could have been bad if she if she had just gone uh, if she if you know if she had a uh, if she had not landed the way she did, that could have been potentially bad because I've seen injuries happen where wrestlers have been wrestler, wrestlers have had freak injuries occur because of landing a certain way. Wow. Let's call. Uh, also, speaking of which, I want to get, I want to get uh, first, uh, Alexis, your thoughts on apparently wrestling doctors have told Big E that he will never be able to wrestle again. After he ended up having to have uh he ended up having to have a spinal fusion sur- or uh, he ended up having a, uh, a spinal cord injury or he ended up having uh, fractures to a C1 and C6 mm-hmm. vertebrae uh, where he ended up also having a broken neck. And apparently WWE's doctors have advised him that he shouldn't wrestle ever again. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely despite not good. Having it's no like, nerve di- despite right, having no nerve, nerve damage. damage or strength issues. Right. 
And this is the same doctors that told Daniel Bryan and Edge they weren't able to wrestle or whatever, stuff like that. Uh, who, True. who knows? I mean, but it's like we we probably aren't, aren't going to see much of Big E for a while. Is what it's sounding like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair, not not every uh, it's not all that often that wrestlers uh, get broken necks. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I mean, the last the last wrestler I really remember ever having a broken neck was Stone Cold Steve Austin. When he got right. uh, when when he took that pile driver from uh, from Owen Hart, I think it was, and he ended up he ended up breaking his neck legitimately on that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely um, you know he's what he and it, it kind of sucks for the WWE when you think about it because of the fact that he's considered to be one of the top uh, he was considered to be one of the uh, a member of one of the top factions this past decade. Right. Right. Oh, speaking of injuries, the way Bianca just oh my god. The way Bianca Belair just fell out of the ring. Oh. Uh-uh. She's she's literally she's holding her knee and the lower part of her or, or and the upper part of her boot. And doctors are now uh medics are now rushing to the are now rushing the ringside. Oh my. Yeah. You know, I talk, I talk about landing awkwardly. That you was another awkward landing. Well, no, I think it's I, – I don't I – don't, I wouldn't say it was off the script. I think it's the way that she landed on the outside. Okay, right. Because even though you – even though you land from a uh, – even though you land from, from – uh, on your feet from a certain move, depending on how high up you are. Right. You know – that if you land a certain way, all it takes is for one one specific ligament to be mm-hmm. to, yeah. to it, all it takes is for you to for you to land a certain way, and then that it looks like she keeps holding her knee. Mm-hmm. And they're helping her to the bat. Yeah, that looks like a legitimate injury. Because she oh, yeah. went, oh, she got thrown over the ropes and landed directly on her foot, and immediately started grabbing at her knee. Although I don't know, though they keep showing her, so maybe, so maybe it is, maybe it isn't uh, real. Maybe, maybe it is a staged injury. I don't know. It's hard to tell with that. Uh, yeah. Uh, we do have. What, what do you What do you think, Alexis? Uh, it's definitely hard to tell if it's legit or not. Uh, let me know. see if I can. Nobody, nobody's saying <laughs> it right now on uh, on Twitter. So. Mm-hmm. 
nobody's saying whether or not whether or not it looks uh right right oh yep uh the no wait a minute she is coming back but it's or she's stumbling back but they normally when a when a when a when an injury is legitimate usually mm. an x sign is thrown up and the x sign right. was indeed thrown up it yeah it was thrown so, up it was but yet here she is on the top turnbuckle now so uh, yeah it had to have been a planned it must have been a planned injury, unless she really is injured, but is trying to com- but is trying to continue the match. Right. I, I think it, she landed directly possible. on her knee again. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean that that looked real bad, and she's. Yeah, you know she's 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 back in the match, but she's still clutching her knee. Either she's selling right. it real well, either she's selling it real well, or she's legitimately injured. Right. Yes. Uh, let's see. We do have another another uh, contract report here. Uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Anthony Davis has agreed to a three-year max extension with the L.A. Lakers worth $186 million uh, that'll put him with the team through 2028. Uh, His $62 million annual extension is the richest in NBA history, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So he'll be making $62 million per year on this extension. And I guess it was worth it. I mean, he had a resurgent season this year, averaging 25.9 points per game to go along with 12.5 rebounds and 2.6 assists, along with 1.1 steals and two blocks across 34 minutes per game while playing 56 games this season. So, you know, I got to tell you, the Lakers, they've really improved quite a bit. Ever yes. since that, ever since the uh, trade deadline this past year, and then they also made some moves in free agency as well. So, yeah, I think resigning Dave kind of unnecessary. I mean, that's he's kind of a staple of their their identity. So they're going to give him, you know, what do you what do you command? Um, yeah, they're still really good. I mean, the question is how long is LeBron going to be there for? But yeah, they've gotten better and better. Exponentially, so you know a lot of those moves last trade deadline, like you said, they've gotten even better. So they could be a top four team in the West. Let's see if they can get to the finals because LeBron, you know, time's running out. But yeah, they're one of the best teams in the league. Same to that. Well, Alexis, I think we have our answer to was she legitimately injured or mm-hmm. not. Right. God damn it! Won't Bianca Belair ever just fucking go away? Right. Fuck's sake. New women's champion, obviously, but still. Mm-hmm. Why won't she just ever fucking go away? Oh, here comes EO Sky. Looks like EO Sky is cashing in 
for women's money in the bank. Right. Oh, shit. Or then again, maybe not, I guess. I don't know. Here we go. I guess she is She is cashing in officially. Uh, let's see. So that that's why they had Bianca then, I guess, take it from Oscar. They didn't, with the roll-up, they didn't want Io to beat her. Right, that's that's why they had the injury uh the injury uh thing. Right. Yes. And now because of that, EO Sky is our new women's world cha- our, our new WWE women's champion. Mm-hmm. After successfully cashing in her money in the bank contract, which yeah. of right. course for anybody wondering, money in the bank if you hold that briefcase, it allows you to cash in your Money in the right. Bank contract for a championship match whenever and wherever. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Here, here's is, honestly my thought. I think it might have been a legit, but knowing that this was supposed to happen, Bianca is like, I have to get, the, get back in there. It's very, it's very possible that's what happened too, because you could see she's, she's clearly still grabbing on the knees and stuff. Or she's, or she's selling it real well too, though. Yeah. Either, I mean, we'll we'll find out in the coming days. Yeah. Yeah. It is possible that she could have just been selling it real well. Right. And that's why. Because usually Bianca Belair is one of the safer workers in the company, mm-hmm. so but you know, I when I think about it more though, this is actually the best case scenario for for them to 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 give an exact reason for how EO Sky Right. For how EO Sky successfully would cash in her money in the bank, the only way to do it, to, in, in order for her to be believable to beat Bianca Belair, because, because right. they treat Bianca Belair as if she's Superwoman uh, all, all the time in the WWE. They treat her as Superwoman, and mm-hmm. uh, literally the only way – for that to, for for that to happen would be for her to be basically incapacitated like she was here. Right. So, but who knows though? Maybe she maybe maybe she yeah. does have a legitimate injury. Uh, like right. you said, well, we'll see in the upcoming days if if it's legitimate right. or not. Yeah. By by Tuesday, we'll we'll probably have found out if it's legitimate or not. Yeah. I would. Right. Say- I mean, hopefully, 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 it isn't uh, it isn't a legitimate injury, and hopefully, it was just right. for uh, it was just for story. But it just it seemed really odd the way that she had landed. So, right. And then you said the X symbol had apparently gone up. Right. But yeah. at the same time, if the X symbol goes up, they wouldn't continue to show her on screen. 
So, because normally when they show that, when they do the X symbol, they make sure to keep the camera off of, uh, to keep the camera off of the injured person. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Some other, uh, some other tidbits around the NBA. Uh, Montrez Harrell, speaking of injuries, uh, Montrez Harrell. Uh, has torn his ACL as well as his meniscus. Uh, yeah. So it's unclear. It's unclear as to how long he'll be sidelined, but he he is expected to miss, if not the whole season, uh, he's expected to miss a considerable Probably. amount this year for the Philadelphia 76ers. Wow. Yeah. Which I mean, it, I guess it doesn't really matter that much because he he wasn't really that much of a factor last year for them. But with Nick Nurse yeah. being their new head coach, you know, who really knows what is uh, what their plans are uh, moving forward for for any of their players. Uh, and also, since we were talking about suspensions earlier, according to the Athletics' Shams Sharania. Uh, Devontae Graham of the San Antonio Spurs has been suspended for the first two games of the season after pleading guilty to a charge of impaired judgment in North Carolina. So because of this, now Cameron Payne and Malachi Branham are expected to see a few more minutes for at least the first two games of the regular season. It doesn't really say that much more, though, when it comes to, uh, <laughs> in particular, when it when it comes to what the actual impaired judgment is. But I assume that means, I assume that means it was a DUI, probably. It was. Yeah, maybe yeah. smoking something. Yeah, something something along those lines. Uh, good news for Knicks fans out there. According to Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News, uh, Josh Hart is expected to sign an extension in August that will be in the range of four years and $75 million. Wonderful. Uh, Hart, apparently, Hart apparently picked up his $12.9 million player option for this upcoming season, and he will be eligible to sign an extension with a maximum of $81 million over four seasons, beginning in 2024-2025. Uh, he logged 30 minutes per game this year across 25 games after being traded to New York, uh, averaging 10.2 points per game to go along with seven rebounds and 3.6 assists per game, not to mention 1.4 steals and, and uh, landing an average of 1.13 pointers per game while shooting 58.6% from the floor. So a key piece of the Knicks rotation moving forward uh, looks like in the upcoming days will be, uh, will be officially locked up. Good. Can you guys pass the second round of the playoffs? <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> No joke. Yeah, eventually he probably might. Okay, okay. Hey, they play well with him. Well, Jason obviously. Thibodeau, defensive guy. Villanova with Brunson, Josh Hart. Good combo. 
he's a good uh, good member to have uh, long term. Yeah. Uh, we do have uh, an update on the son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna. Uh, Jalen Kitna has officially opened up addressing accusations that he was arrested due to possessing child pornography. And that's why he was cut off of the University of Florida. Uh, however, he, he ended up pleading no contest to two lesser misdemeanor charges after the child pornography charges were dropped last month. Uh, now, he has officially opened up, uh, in particular, saying, out of respect to the legal process, I have chosen to remain silent the last eight months, knowing the accusations levied against me as a teenager were not accurate and would be proven to, not be, tr- to be not true. The extensive six-month-long investigation brought the prosecution to the conclusion I knew all along, which was this was not a child pornography case. Uh, He explained, actually, in particular, what had happened the day he was arrested, uh, saying that detectives arrived early in the morning and started asking me about my pornography use. I was totally compliant. I shared all my passwords and hid nothing from them. They told me an image I shared online was potentially of an underage female. I was shocked because I had found it on an easily accessible legal site, and I was never looking for illegal material. The photo included only a portion of the female body. I had no reason to believe the photo might be illegal. And he says, despite his cooperation, he was taken into custody, saying, regardless, they arrested me on suspicion of possessing child pornography. As they put me in handcuffs, I tried to process everything. It sounded like they believed I had ser- that I had searched out and shared illegal pictures, but I knew that I had not. And he said that he was thoroughly evaluated by a physician who found that he had no deviant characteristics uh, and also had normal interests as a teenager, and he is in the lowest, pose- the lowest possible present- percentile for likelihood to commit a crime. And also, as for the plea deal he agreed to, he said he wanted people to know he never made any admission of guilt. He said the the misdemeanor plea of no contest is not an admission of guilt, and I was not educated by the court, meaning there was no conviction. The police have returned all of my devices because they contain no illegal material, and the University of Florida has lifted the campus ban imposed during the investigation. Uh, it also says here that he's, he has vowed to spread his story, letting others know how naive okay. decisions can lead to catastrophic consequences. Uh, so here's the question I'm wondering, which, by the way, he received six months of probation from the court. I'm wondering, yeah. is he back on the University of Florida football team? No, he's still no, not. Really he's not. not right now. He's not a. Right. From what I understand. Honestly, in that, my opinion, I think that's kind of horseshit. 
Yeah, I mean, none of go, us... Go uh, ahead, Lou. Want to get caught up? None of us believe in that or do that or uh, want to get oh, gotten something horrendous like that. But I guess it, it looked... I don't know. It looked like it's almost like a misunderstanding. So I don't know. I mean, it's a college kid uh, sharing stupid stuff that he shouldn't have done. I don't think he was maliciously trying to speak that yeah. that type of thing. I want to say that. I mean, that's it's, it's an abhorrent thing, but it's like it almost seems like he almost by accident clicked on something, and then it's like, holy shit, like set up a fire alarm. And it seems like he didn't mean to do what he did. I don't even know. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, they, they – um, I don't want to say rush to judgment because it's such a, such an important, dangerous thing. Like, they, they did what they had to right away. But now that he's been cleared, he should be reinstated. And, no, he's not, he's not a member of the football team right now. Right. For those of you keeping track of the Women's World Cup, right now, Netherlands over South Africa, one nothing in the 57th minute. Huh. Yeah, I kind of expected that. I, I kind of expected that the Netherlands would – I, 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 th- I thought that the Netherlands would pro- would probably would probably take care of South Africa. Uh, it's a, it's uh, fairly close right now, one nothing, and now they're blowing them out. No, but at the same time, though, uh, you know they've got a good enough defense that it could it could end up remaining one nothing. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Possibly. I had the game, I had the game on streaming actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I'm still. I'll, I'll probably. I'll probably switch over to it if it's. Uh, if it's still going on, I'll probably switch over to it after. Because uh, SummerSlam right now is doing their main event, uh, Jey Uso and Roman Reigns. So uh, yeah, once this is done, done, I'll probably switch over. Like I said, the numbers are smart. They would have the they would have the US and it came by nine o'clock. They're not waiting until five o'clock in the morning. That is so stupid. Yeah, I, I wish the USA game was. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, why not do why not do a night game? Like, even if it's like ten o'clock, even if it's ten o'clock at night, you know. Right. At least, at least do it when when the when when people in the United States can actually watch it. Yeah, I mean, most Not people there. are usually still asleep. Well, listen, or if they're not there, still asleep, they're just waking, waking up. Yeah. yeah. And what what time's the game? Five. Five o'clock. Five. I'll be up at that time. No, I'll still I'll still be passed out. I'll, I will have been I will probably have been asleep for about like two hours uh, by the time five o'clock rolls around. So, but uh, we have another headline. We have another headline actually. Uh, Johnny Manziel apparently opened up on his serious mental health battles following his NFL career. Uh, he revealed in Netflix's Untold Johnny Football documentary, which drops next week, that uh, he would blow all – that he said he had his demise all mapped out, saying he would blow all of his money and then he would end up taking his own life, revealing that he had actually purchased a gun and intended to use it on himself. 
that in particular, uh, he said it was like a $5 million bender, direct self-sabotage, trying to burn this thing down. And, I mean, obviously his issues on and off the field were well documented at the time. Uh, and he said he had burned so many bridges that he felt that the ride was over. Mm-hmm. He said, I had planned to do everything that I wanted to do at that point in my life, spend as much money as I possibly could, and then my plan was to take my life. Months prior, I went and bought a gun I knew I was going to use. I wanted to get as bad as humanly possible to where it made sense and it made it seem like an excuse and an out for me. Uh, it says here it's unclear if he, if he actually attempted suicide, but he did say the gun just clicked on me. So he may have actually attempted suicide. After after he had uh, after he had washed out from the NFL, and yeah, just a total a total psycho. And I mean, well, I mean, he had issues, but he was also a total party guy. And then came from all that oil right. money. I mean, he was swimming tens of millions of dollars in his trust fund before he even got dra- drafted. There was a lot of trouble looming. Yeah, it's just an, un- an unbelievable story. I don't even know. I mean. Obviously, hopefully that turns out okay, but yeah, one yeah. of the biggest busts ever. Yeah. This is a guy who got drafted 22nd overall in the 2014 draft by the Cleveland Browns. And, I mean, yeah, we've, you know, we've heard of busts before, but he may right. be the second biggest bust compared to Ryan Leaf. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they are actually they're they are actually twins. They have the same brain, you know, just uh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but this, okay. this was a guy that everybody this was a guy that everybody was expecting would take Cleveland to the next level. Matter of fact, the Jets, if I right. remember correctly, Jets fans wanted them to take him. Uh, Jerry Jones mm-hmm. wanted to take him, and his son, Jerry Jones oh, wanted him, and his son Stephen Jones convinced him not to on draft day. That's oh, right. I remember wrong. fans got. Uh, I remember cowboy fans got pissed off about it. Hey, you did the favor. You did the favor. To go, you know, to go to go from winning the Heisman Trophy. He was the first freshman to ever win the Heisman Trophy. You know. Uh, also winning the National Quarterback Award, the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback Award, the Manning Award. Uh, he was a first-team All-American. You know, he has this huge resume in college, except, of course, winning a national title. And mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, he comes into the NFL and just completely washes out only two years in the NFL. Also, it didn't help either. It didn't help either that he had a whole bunch of uh, off-the-field issues, too. Yeah. He was was involved in domestic violence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had that. But, I mean, he was, like, calling his own players in college. He was, like, you know, Silver Spoon growing up. It was just a a train wreck waiting to happen once he got to the NFL. All that money. Got a lot of different hobbies going on that were not conducive to – in uh, trouble. 
this is like the definition of a guy who basically couldn't get out of his own way, essentially. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He was out of the league in, what, three years? I mean, Close to it. Three or four years. Yeah, I mean, about, about, two to, about two to three years. He was – He was. Uh, that's all it took to to, uh, to send him out of the league. Yeah. I mean, my God. That's uh, – you know, it's – it ju- it just shows you how quickly the pendulum can turn when it comes to when it comes uh, yeah. to you know somebody's somebody's life or somebody's professional career. I think stardom. I mean, all that money and everywhere he went, he was the man. You know, every girl, every sponsor, every commercial, every person loved him, and you know the guy. Yeah. Got carried away, and then obviously he had some bad habits going yeah. on. It's not a good, yeah. good, not a good mix. He had money to burn. Everyone wanted to party with him at the clubs, and then he didn't yeah, study the playbook or take uh, take the NFL seriously, and they, he was out of the league. Well, as the saying goes, as the saying goes, he was uh, too big for his bridges. There you go. Basically, yeah. Yep. I mean, it's amazing, you know, all of that talent, and he couldn't—he couldn't get out of his own way. Essentially, that's what it was. Yeah. Right. Also, earlier earlier this week, uh, unfortunate news for the White Sox, and in particular Liam Hendricks, who is set to miss out on a huge payday next year. Uh, he has officially undergone Tommy John surgery. So he will be out for up to 14 months uh, as a result. And also, this the reason why this is unfortunate is because this comes, uh, you know, this comes at a time where the White Sox will have to make a decision as to whether or not to take in take over his uh, club option. Which is fifteen million dollars for twenty twenty four. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Whether they we all know the White Sox are just—they're going nowhere fast. I, I don't see how they're going to pick that up. They got to really rebuild. The other option they can do if they choose to buy him out is uh, they can defer that payment over the next ten years huh. if they choose to buy him okay. out. So it's possible that because originally the deal came with a matching buyout figure, which it was built in largely as an accounting measure to front load the contract's competitive talent, the competitive balance tactic. So now with this injury, and he's going to be out basically for the next 14 months, this brings up the legitimate possibility that he could potentially get bought out by the by the White Sox. Yeah, I can see it happening. Yeah. And it says that he does figure to return to free agency next winter where he could field two-year offers from teams with an eye towards the 2025 season. 
sort of similar to what James Paxton did with the Boston Red Sox, where James Paxton had signed a two-year deal. Uh, He was out all of the first year, and now all of a sudden, you know, he ended up returning this year. So it's possibility. It's a possibility they could go that route. Yep. So we'll see about we'll see about that. Uh, obviously, as more uh, as more things uh, come down here. Uh, also, the Tampa Bay Rays they placed Shane McClanahan on the injured list. Uh, officially, yeah. as of as of uh, Thursday, actually, uh, on the 15-day injured list, after he felt some soreness on the outside of his forearm during uh, Wednesday's start against the Yankees. So That's the second, second really, really top-line uh, young starter that they lost, Shane Baz was the first one earlier in the year. Yeah, so they're they're down to their uh, biggest starters. Yeah, they're, they're saying maybe, hopefully not, but it might be, uh, you know, TJ, Tommy John. Yeah. When you start, when you start seeing, uh, when you start flying, you know, five hours to see the specialist out on the West Coast, you know, something's going on. Oh, yeah, exactly. And by the way, uh, an update on the Mets. So Max Scherzer originally wasn't going to waive his no trade clause, but this <laughs> was before this was before he had a conversation with uh, Cohen, who informed him. Which he told the whole media. There, which he told the whole media about right away. <laughs> yeah, he told Max. the whole media about it right away. <laughs> Uh, that the Mets, the Mets were planning on, the Mets were planning on seeing 2024 as a kind of transitory year, with the, with the focus being on the 2025 and 2026 seasons. So basically, yeah. what they told him was that they weren't going to make any major acquisitions for 2024. And they said 2025 at the earliest, but more like 2026. Yeah, and they probably should. They, they, so, they felt like telling him, you suck. Uh, and since Lindor and Alonzo hit 220, we're pulling the plug in this. They didn't want to say that, but, yeah, they, they told him exactly what they were doing because he didn't do, they didn't do their jobs, the players. And then he had the nerve to turn around and tell the media, oh, they're actually rebuilding. Yeah, we're re- they're rebuilding because you, didn't play, you guys didn't play well enough. Oh, no shit, they were rebuilding because they, they had no choice. I thought that was pretty Yeah, he told the media right after that traded. I thought it was Bush that he told the media that right away, too. I mean, whatever. Yeah, it, it, Max, it kind of reeks. He's a failure. It kind of reeks of like a, it kind of reeks of like a scorned lover type of, uh, yeah, you know, type, type of uh, feeling. Yeah, as he got lit up in the playoffs last year. He was like, you know, four ERA pitcher. Wasn't the old Mad Max. Yeah, that was a little bit of a whatever, head scratcher. 
kind of spilled the beans uh, on, their, uh, say, though, on, on their game plan. He shouldn't have left that out of the say, bag. Though, that, left that out of the bag, whatever. He said, he said if they had said that we're going to hold on to all the 2024 pieces, he says that would have been a different story. But they were saying, no, we're going to be moving players that are under contract for 2024 before the deadline. We walked through some players I had in mind who would be that. It turned out it was much more extensive than that. The players we ended up talking about who are free agents after 2024, they were more substantial names. Any player who was a free agent after 2024 at the right price could be moved right now at the deadline. That's a completely Mm -hmm. different vision from what everybody had in the clubhouse. All the players had a vision of we reload for 2024. That was no longer the case. Yeah, thanks for for disclosing what they were saying behind the scenes. Thanks for letting everyone know the blueprint. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you, Max. Collect your $45 million paycheck and go get lit up in the playoffs for Texas. Ridiculous. Hey, I mean, am I wrong? Maybe you don't, maybe you don't walk out. You don't walk in the door. Going, Actually, the GM told us you don't walk out slandering and, and telling all the secrets of a team that you're getting moved from. And that was, I thought that was pretty bush league from uh, Scherzer. Right. I, I mean, obviously, you don't do that. That's, that's basically his way of burning bridges. But I guess he probably figures, well, hell, I'm not going to be in the league that much longer. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm not going to go back to the Mets. You know, so let me uh, – because he was already pissed off the fact that they moved on from uh, from Robertson. Oh, that's right. That's and he, he, he demanded like a – he demanded like a meeting and like five hours later they traded him. <laughs> so pissed yeah. off. That's, that's what ultimately pissed him off was the fact that they moved on from Robertson. Again, I mean, not that's what corny, caused but him I mean, to do that whole thing. Not to sound cool. I mean, but look at it. I mean, they, they massively underperformed. They're totally overpaid, underachievers, old guys, and they broke up the band. That's why. I mean, if they were playing to their capabilities, they could have been right in the mix, but they, they, did, they did it to themselves. I don't want Max to Right. Right. Pitch better. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, they definitely obviously did it to themselves. You know, the just the fact that, I mean, you can't, you know, you you can't really argue that they didn't at least attempt that that, that Mets ownership didn't attempt to uh, to put together a winning club. But it's it's yeah. one thing to, to it's one thing to do that, and it's another thing for the players. The players have to have to st- have to step up and execute as well. Yeah, and again, it was a total, total radical quick thinking move, but like at first a lot of people were upset as Mets, the Mets people, but I think it's a good move. I mean, that team was not going to win it. So it's like, now you got some good process prospects to follow and tomorrow's another day. You got to, got to move older players, man. If they're not going to get any better, move them while you can. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely, and, and I, you know I, I still say this: the Mets actually got a pretty good haul for all of the players that they ended up, uh, you know, that they ended up giving up. 
Yeah, it's not like they gave up like a 30-year-old in their, you know, under contract for five or six years. They didn't – they gave up guys that were mercenaries, Verlander and Scherzer. You know, guys like Kana and Tommy Pham, those are journeymen. They, they're used to bouncing around, you know. Those guys were leaving anyway right here. So, like, the Ver, but the Verlander and Scherzer, again, for, I mean, you know, they probably wouldn't be there next year. Now they got a couple of prospects to hope for. Right. By the way, I don't know if I said this last week. Uh, if I did, I apologize. But I, I figure going back to uh, hockey for a minute here, uh, the Bruins, they did just lose Patrice Bergeron. And yeah. what it sounds like, it sounds like they will also be losing David Krejci. As it is expected that David Krejci will officially retire from the NHL, but uh, he does plan to play for the Czech Republic. If they, uh, he does plan to play for the Czech Republic in the World Championships this upcoming uh, this upcoming year. Which repeat the season again last year. Forget it. There's no way you're gonna have that again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I'll put it I'll put it I'll put it this way, you know, David Krejci really the only I guess I guess the one thing you could say about Krejci is he decided to come back because he wanted to give it one more go. Especially after finding out that the Bruins had gotten rid of Bruce Cassidy, which, of course, we saw was a big mistake because, yeah, the Bruins uh, broke all these records this year, but Bruce Cassidy ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So, uh, but he did actually have his best season in, well, quite frankly, since 2018-2019, where they last made the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, this was his best season since then. But it is expected that he will probably he will probably play in the Ice Hockey World Championships for the Czech Republic in 2024. So yeah. uh, that will be basically his last bit of hockey that he'll play. Maybe he'll play... Uh, a little bit for the Czech, uh, for one, for one of his, because uh, I know he played before he came back to Boston. He played for his hometown team of HC uh, HC Olomouc, I think it was, uh, in the Czech Republic League in uh, Czech Extra Liga. So maybe perhaps he'll go back. To, maybe he'll go back to HC Olomouc for uh, for the year, and then do the uh, hockey world championship and then retire. Uh, but as far as his NHL days, his NHL days are officially over, according to a uh, to a source. And also, the Pittsburgh Penguins will be without Jake Gensel to start out the season after he had right ankle surgery. Uh, He will be reevaluated in 12 weeks. He finished with 73 points in 78 games last season, which was 36 goals and 37 assists. 
leading the Penguins in goals and finishing third in points behind Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So, needless to say, the Penguins will be with will be without one of their top key players to start out to start out uh, this next upcoming season. Now, Pittsburgh, of course, missed the playoffs last year for the first time in 16, actually, no, the first time in 17 seasons after going 40, 31, and 11 for uh, 91 points, just barely missing out on the playoffs. Wow. Uh, They, of course, will open the regular season against the Chicago Blackhawks on October 10th. Uh, also, uh, it appears that Trevor Zegras may be close to an extension with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, both sides obviously have been a part when it comes to money and, uh, and years, but it appears that a compromise may soon be in the works. So that's something to keep an eye on there for uh, Anaheim fans. Uh, also, another player that's being talked about, Eric Carlson. Where will he go? Will he stay with San Jose? Will he go elsewhere? The rumor going around is that it is down to Pittsburgh and Edmonton for the rights to the Norris Trophy winner, Eric Carlson. And I'll tell you right now, Whoever gets Eric Carlson, they're probably getting one of the top offensive defensemen in the entire league who put up 101 points as a defenseman. 25 goals, 76 assists. Who the fuck does that as a defenseman? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Off the blue line, that's uh, someone's gonna luck out. I mean, whoever is acquiring, whoever acquires him, they better get San Jose better be asking for a king's ransom for him. I'll put it that way. If you have a guy who can go from a 35 point season. To a 101 point season as a defenseman? Wow. Why, what's the reason they're trying to move him? Uh, because yeah. of the fact that they suck and he's getting older. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, they suck. <laughs> but That's yeah, number one, they yeah. suck. <laughs> Because San Jose, it seems like San Jose basically made a deal with the devil that, hey, uh, yeah, you know what? I'll give you the opportunity to uh, potentially win the Stanley Cup, but in in exchange, you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to go through a massive overhaul in the future. And that was in 2015-2016 when they lost the Stanley Cup to the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games. And then they made the playoffs the next three years after that. 
losing in the conference finals to the eventual Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues in 2019. And then the last four seasons, they've been at the bottom of the barrel, basically, in the Western Conference. Wow. So, and, and needless to say, with with literally no with no uh, with, with no view in sight, basically, of ever making the playoffs ever again, uh, under this current team lineup, that is, they've decided to basically start trading off some pieces. And I'll tell you right now, uh, yeah. They uh, they better get a king's ransom for Eric Carlson. Absolutely, because because it's you know it's not it's not often that you see defensemen putting up a hundred and one points in a season. I mean, I'm talking. You should be seeing multiple first round picks. Yes, it's gonna it's gonna take a king's ransom basically to uh, to acquire uh, him. So yeah, the chill, I'll yeah. be I'll be very interested to see what exactly he's gonna what exactly he's gonna uh, he's gonna bring back to whatever team acquires him. I'll tell you right now, uh, I would think Edmonton is probably in a better position to acquire him. Because Pittsburgh, I believe, is kind of banged up a little bit when it comes to not just draft picks, but also when it comes to uh, prospects in general. I mean, this would be a guy that you would trade like a Jake Gensel for, who they just signed or who they just signed to an extension. This would be a guy that you would have to trade somebody like a Jake Gensel for in exchange. Yeah, some lucky team's going to put together a good package for him. Well, apparently it's down it's apparently it's down to Pittsburgh and Edmonton. So And Pittsburgh, the rumor is the rumor is they're in on Boston's Matt Grizzlick if they lose out on Carlson. Oh wow, unbelievable! Watching that uh, fantasy uh, All Star squad that the Angels tried to put together, they're, they're losing. They're going to get swept at home to uh, Seattle. Two two hits. <laughs> all this all this magic brought at the deadline. Imagine imagine being a team like Seattle who basically sold at the deadline and oh, uh, now all of a sudden they find themselves in the middle of the wild card. Yeah. They just they just they play like good defense and they're like they just have they don't have nearly enough offense. I don't know. Mariners are you know also fun franchise, also, cool fans, uh, but just like besides Rodriguez they have nothing. But whatever, sorry to Speaking speaking of idiotic moves, uh, the Oakland Athletics have designated Ramon Laureano for for assignment. Wow. The guy who has been the catalyst 
for Oakland's post Oakland's recent postseason teams. Designated for assignment just days after the trade deadline. Granted, he was batting 213, but six homers, 21 RBIs, you mean to tell me you couldn't get anything for him? Yeah, it's strange. A's, A's are going to do an open thing. My God. I mean, <laughs> this is just complete mismanagement, if anything. They just beat San Francisco is- tonight, of course. I think the Giants like a donkey, but yeah, I was watching the A's tonight. They uh, they had four or five fans right behind the front, uh, right behind home plate with uh, big bright letters on their shirts. Sell, sell the team, the whole game in, in behind home plate. It was hilarious. Yeah, just complete mismanagement. It's. It, uh, I don't. I don't think you could be as bad as the Athletics. I mean, Boston is certainly trying. Boston is certainly uh, trying with their, uh, uh, with the way that they're, uh, with how hectic their their uh, front office is now. All of a sudden, um, but I, you know, nobody will be ever be as bad as the Athletics uh, are. It's. Got to be the first run. Mind boggling, to be honest. Worst franchise in sports. It has to be in pro sports. Worst run. Yeah. I have 31 and 80 right now with what, 50 some odd games to go? It's. Keep on losing. (laughs) It's stunning. We are actually like with, 51 game, uh, with 51 games to go. Yeah, like, who knows how they can lose. So much potential. They can lose as much as they want. Yeah. And well, with the Mets as well, because they're the same way. I mean, 101 wins last season, and what are they done this season? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. but at, at least they're 10 games below 500 and not uh, – yeah. not, 49 games below 500 oh, right now. Still a big letdown from last season, though. I mean, they're... They replenished their farm. About divisions, if we're talking about divisions, they've been out of the running for months right now. They're 34 games back right, of their division. Yes. So if yeah, we're talking divisions, the whoa, they're the blueprint for failure. Yeah. Oh my God, ground rule double. Angels down three two now, two outs in the ninth. We'll see if they can now. Uh, oh my God. And Seattle right now is three games back. So if they win, they stay at two and a half because Toronto won earlier today. Oh, interesting. Yeah, in a in a very embarrassing, like I mentioned earlier, uh, Toronto hits it all the or uh, Boston hits it all the way to the wall, but it's caught, and Reese McGuire thinks that the ball went off the wall and went all the way to home from second base. So, <laughs> yeah, he's in little league for a few seconds. 
didn't know how to run the beer. Right. Yeah. Are you a professional? My God. I mean, it's it, it, honestly, it's 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 really embarrassing. With uh, I know we're running out of time tonight, but I'll, I'll tell you yeah. something. I'll probably have I'll probably have another rant to do next week. Uh, with yeah. Boston, okay. give me some time. It'll probably happen. Uh, well, but I do oh, want to make sure. a quick note. I do want to make a quick note. Uh, we did just last night start up the Big Brother Recap Podcast. Uh, for Big okay. Brother fans who may listen to Sports Whispers Weekly, those podcasts will happen every Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will also be having the Survivor Podcast starting up at some point with uh, Survivors starting back up in September. I don't know the exact date about that. I will have to get to Jim. Uh, I'll have to talk with Jim about that. Uh, But we will have an update on that whenever that happens. Uh, But the Big Brother 25 Recap Podcast uh, will be every Friday night uh, for the duration of the Big Brother 25 season. Uh, also, a reminder, if you guys haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE. You can also subscribe to us by following us on any of the major podcast networks. So, for example, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, uh, any of the, basically any of the major podcast networks around uh if if uh if they ha if if there's a major podcast network, chances are we're probably on it. So uh said I do want to thank everybody for joining me tonight. Thank you to Lou and Diane, thank you to Alex, uh-huh. and thank you to Kyle as well as Alexis for joining me tonight. We will be back next Saturday night for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, Everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.